With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are now joining the call. Hoaxbusters call. Join the discussion by dialing 724-447-444. Call ID 90337. Whoa, hey everybody. Hey, how you doing? How's it going? Uh, it's Hoaxbusters call. It is January the 19th. And it is 2015. And, uh, let's see here. We got Happy Horseshit in the chat, J Rivers, K Hamad, Nature Never Lies, Wade 57. Alright, man. Thanks. Thanks, y'all, for, ladies and gentlemen, for coming out and, uh, listening to the call live. And then maybe calling in if you feel like it. If you don't, I could prattle on for a bit because it is Hoaxbusters Call Monday night. Uh, the quote is Only puny secrets need protection, big discoveries are protected by public incredulity. And then uh, that's allegedly Marshall McEwen, McLuhan, excuse me. So he is. Uh, so I sent it to John Adams, and he told me that uh, Marshall McLuhan was a notable figure who put out some pretty good stuff, some pretty good sounding stuff. And then what his angle was, was to sort of prop up the uh, so-called uh, archaic revival. And from what I understand, the archaic revival is kind of like um, a lot of stuff you hear bantied about, even to this day. It's kind of a new ageiness in there. Uh, you know, it incorporated, of course, the sex, the drugs, the rock and roll. Sort of a departure from what was in this movement perceived as sort of a uh, authoritarianism. But they... Uh, identified that and defined that authorita authoritarianism as including uh, family structures and all that. So it's like a sort of a return to a uh, maybe even a primitive type 
sort of aesthetic, more or less an aesthetic, not really a substantive primitivization. And then the, how that kind of revealed itself was in the buckskin jackets and the long hair and the not taking a shower, that kind of thing. The music kind of um, more of a more of the beat being sort of the 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 primitive style of the the beat. The rock music incorporated that into it, which became uh, well extremely popular, of course. Back in the archaic revival. Let's see what happens if you look that up. Archaic, archaic revival. To look it up. All right, there's a Terence McKenna book. I actually had that book. I read some of it, and this was years ago. I remember the part he was talking about. Oh, I don't know if he's just conjecturing or what he was exactly proposing. This is like a something that should be seriously considered. The idea that uh, psychoactive mushrooms are communicating to you. And when you ingest them, they communicate and impart, I guess, words of wisdom to you or kind of open up your mind about, you know, the nature of reality and all that. And that they were actually uh, space travelers that somehow made it to Earth. And then if you want to communicate, it's, it's, it's sort of a... a uh, extraterrestrial visitation when you go on a mushroom-induced trip. Uh, I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. Never heard that before. It's kind of a novel take on things, but uh, yeah, if you listen to uh, like a Jan Irving, he'll put a, he, I, I, I believe a lot of what he's, his material that he puts out. I tend to think the guy seems legit uh, I wouldn't know what his angle was if he's not. I'll just put it that way. But but this whole idea of uh, that was pushed heavily in the '60s and into the '70s and all that about uh, yeah, you open your mind, man. You take these these uh, you want to you want to take mushrooms, man, and, uh, and, um, LSD, and they were throwing big trash bags full of LSD over the walls at, at universities, the, they said the CIA was, which I, I, I tend to believe, uh, then they had the, these characters like Timothy Leary, uh, yes, you should, uh, tune in, what is it? Tune in, turn in, and drop out, or I don't know what to say. I can't remember the saying. Doesn't matter. It was a bunch of bullcrap. So there was stuff in there. I mean, according to the some of the stuff you read, I think there's like a legitimate uh, sentiment there. You know, anti-war and all that. 
And I, I for one, I tend to think that, uh, yeah, our whole, you know, the the American military machine and its involvement and uh, some kind of trivial little squabble over there in uh, Vietnam uh, that was sort of a... Uh, the French were involved heavily there, and we intervened, and there was some that big reason why we had to be in there and do all that. I, I don't buy any of that. I really don't. I, whatever uh, historical explanation that's given to you uh, to ingest that's out there on the Wikipedias and all that stuff, I don't. I don't believe it. I, 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 I am highly skeptical of any particular reason that's given for going into war. I tend to believe because of all the stuff that was going on in the United States internally when the Vietnam War was going on, I think that that was the main focus of the reason for getting the war going was to create this uh, um, this sort of catalyst, I guess, so that uh, these movements can be um, uh, developed and and other things can, uh, it could pave the way for other things that would be coming about in the future. And mainly the uh, the dissolution of the family, breakdown of the family, the, um, the breakdown of concepts of uh, what constitutes art with all the modern art and stuff that was being brought in at the same time with people like Andy Warhol, which... I think it's pretty much been officially admitted that he was uh, a CIA operative of some sort. Um, so basically what they were doing at that time, the culture creators, I mean, the, you know, that, of course, and there was all the music and stuff that would, it, that was sort of the soundtrack to the whole hippie movement. And by the way, there's a from time to time I look at the they, that there's the Cracked magazine, which is a website, which is funny. I, it's like a I remember that as a kid. Cracked. It was kind of the knockoff of Mad Magazine, and then now they've turned that into a website. And from time to time they have some pretty interesting stuff on there. But they were talking about the Forrest Gump movie, and then they were talking about how Forrest Gump, he goes back in time and takes credit for stuff that uh, is historically attributed to black people. I, I thought that was like, I, I don't know, it's like pretty interesting, that angle. I never heard that discussed, but um, they said, yeah, the same thing with uh, the uh, Marty McFly character in the Back to the Future. He goes back to the he goes back in time and 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 uh, he creates rock and roll music and all this stuff and, and then in the, one of the scenes uh, the guy gets on the phone and he's on the phone with Chuck Berry and that's where Chuck Berry got his ideas it was from a white guy and then it's like how, how crazy is that I mean it's it's sort of really pretty overtly like racist kind of. It, the, these themes in these films, and I, I just wondered why. It's, that's an interesting subject in and of itself. But yeah, one of the things that the Forrest Gump guy is—he's back in the 
they show him back in the Vietnam era protest and all that stuff, and how that was. Uh, oh, they recreated that scene in the the movie where there's just all these people out in the uh, the so-called mall in Washington. These big masses of crowds of people and, you know, dressed up in their hippie garb and protesting the war and all that. Yeah, I believe that was the real sentiment there from a lot of people. But uh, And it was uh, a period of a lot of upheaval and a lot of change that happened in that period of time. And then there was like a... Uh, it was like Kennedy got sh what, allegedly shot, which I, I'm more I read and learn about Kennedy, the the more I'm thinking that that was a that's another fabrication. I mean, a complete fabrication that it, it wasn't anybody actually shot. Well, just a lot of a lot of things that had um, transformed people's ways of thinking. I think mainly is the whole idea behind these cultural movements and uh, the archaic revival. It's, it's sort of uh, in which it's common with all these movements is like this. It's like a this departure from rational thought. It's interesting how it's like yeah, just just you you're going for experience man like uh you want to experience the the colors and then you want to experience sounds becoming colors and colors becoming tastes and lord lsd actually try i've tried lsd when i was in high school i i think i you know of course like they say you experiment around with drugs i i didn't i don't i didn't get it i don't i don't, I don't get that whole thing why why that's so desirable to be tasting smells and hearing uh tastes and uh, it's it and and seeing kaleidoscopes of colors it's like yeah okay once you've done it you've done it and it's like oh okay yeah all right uh to make a career out of that being stoned i i, I never i never saw that it, it was it was just kind of a passing amusement i never saw it as something i wanted to keep repeatedly doing um, but that was all brought in through this whole um, opposition to the Vietnam War, and they would say, "Yeah, everybody, everybody needs what we all need to do." And they had all these gurus, and they had the the uh, uh, the the uh, oh, Grateful Dead, and then turns out that Jerry Garcia was an operative, worked for the government, and uh, that's really interesting that you have these people that are musicians that head up these big popular bands and uh there is like this religious cult that coalesces around these bands it's pretty interesting how that that comes about and then the guy turns out he's working for the government it's like crazy and then you know yeah everybody drop acid man this is the way to go we're setting ourselves free yeah, tune into the. I mean, if you ever, have you ever met deadheads like people who are deadheads that follow the Grateful Dead around? Because I'm, I'm from originally from California, so I, 
I've ran into a deadhead or two. Uh, my cousin, he lived at this apartment with his girlfriend and uh, a couple of other roommates. I don't think they were, they were deadheads, but they were into drugs. And then, like, the deadhead kids are hanging out over there. And and they follow the Grateful Dead around on their tours. It's it's just wacky. Uh, why you know would you do that? I don't know. Devote your life to that. It's it, but it's like a religion. Yeah, so that's that's what they were busy doing, creating this count, so-called counterculture. And. Uh, so what? Well, yeah, why was I going to the? Well, it's it's it, it, the way that uh, it formed and shaped ideas about how to think, you know, or what's important as far as like uh, like thinking is not important. It's like this: what's important is that you um, and you know you still have people like uh, well Joe Rogan, namely. There's other people that are associated with him that push this stuff. Uh, there's other people out there that's like, well, you're really going to ex expand your mind and your, you know, by your experience and stuff. If you go into like a, a, a mushroom trip or, or something like that, and it's, and it's going to really kind of help you see the world differently and, um, and really kind of open you up. And, uh, um, I have my doubts about that. I I really don't buy into the whole drug thing. Um, I don't see what the advantage is to have your head clogged up with uh, a chemical compound that's making you see sounds and hear colors and taste the uh, you know taste sound. You know what I mean. It's, it's, it's stuff is getting scrambled up there is what it's telling me. Okay, there's some something going on there that's not. It's got and my wires are getting crossed up there in my brain. I don't like it. They'll say, oh well, yeah, you need to try DMT, man. That's where you, you talk to the little crystalloid beings that uh, communicate to you, talk to you and stuff. It's like, ah, oh, okay. What did they say? Well, you you, you got to experience it, man. You can't. Oh, so there's no way to articulate what they say or what they're trying to tell you or all oh, they're trying to tell us that we're all one. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. So what does that mean? I I, I don't uh, buy into that either. It's like I, I I complain about the the usage and the free flowing of this word we. Like, we are doing this, we are doing that, we are in Vietnam, we are, uh, you know, revolting against Vietnam, or we, we, we. It's like, no, nah, I'm not. I am an in, independent person. I don't uh, I, I don't see myself as part of, of the collective, the United States. I don't see, I don't, I'm not a member of the United States. I'm not a citizen. I'm not a sovereign I'm not, uh, you know, part of the sovereign movement. I'm not a common lawer, or whatever you want to call that. I'm not any of that. I'm just an individual, just trying to, you know, get by the best I can and try to 
you know, have my own thoughts about things. That's all I, I'm trying to do. But it's it. Why is it always tied into this collectivist thinking? Oh, we're all one. Oh, so you're one with uh, David Rockefeller. You're one with uh, the Black Pope. I mean, you're one with them, you know? Well, yeah, it's all, you know, uh, there is no real right and wrong. There is no evil. There is no good. It's only just subjective experience, man. And then we're all one, and you'll see that when you when you drop a handful of these shrooms. And is that really what you get out of that, or is that something that is sort of uh, imposed upon it by you hearing that all the time? You know what I mean? Through suggestion. Because suggestion is very powerful. So if you get if you keep hearing that, oh, yeah, you're going to learn that everything, we're all one. Okay, so I'm going to take this. Okay, i got to make a handful of shrooms here. I mean, not really, but I mean, like, let's say hypothetically I did. So, like, I I'm, I'm already have this. I already have this uh, this pre-built-in set of expectations, you know, that's based on, like, all this stuff I hear from people, you know. So doesn't that um, sort of uh, color your experience and give you some interpretive framework to, to go off of when, you, when, there's, when you're tasting sounds and there's colors swirling around and the, and the uh, you know, what's that, what's that song about the, the, the uh oh, oh, I was trying to think of the lyrics to that song, the white rabbit and the uh yeah, you know what I'm talking about, that song, all that stuff going on, what are you supposed to come away out of that with? Oh well, yeah, my mind got bent, things got kind of twisted around, distorted, that was my experience, and uh. I couldn't really form a coherent thought. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't like it myself. I like to be able to form coherent thoughts myself. Uh, I think it's hard enough with all the shit going on to not have my brain scrambled. Uh, uh, you know, it... Uh, but but what's interesting about this stuff is is you, you fast forward to the modern 2015 and uh me and John were talking about this earlier and uh he forwarded me this essay by Charles Eisenstein it's called Synchronicity Myth and the New World Order and it's like a it's a humdinger dude i mean I was taken aback by it. I've heard this before that uh, this whole quantum theory thing is now uh, it's now uh, it's now sort of big deal. It's sort of a big deal now, and uh, I guess people are jumping on board with it. Quantum theory. And, uh, yeah, take a look at that. I just want to go over some of this so-called points that he, 
he's coming up with here. Um, yeah, let me go to this other version. So I got some stuff highlighted on. Yeah, I think this is all a continuation of this archaic revival type of way of thinking. But it's uh, synchronicity myth in the New World Order. And uh, let's skip down to this one paragraph and say, but what if they are, I think he's meant there are, but it's, they are coincidence, but coincidence isn't what we think it is. Because he's talking about conspiracy theories and stuff. Talk about all the, the paraphrase, what, he's, what he says in the, the, the previous few paragraphs is that, uh, yeah, you know, if you examine the events around 9-11, you're going to run across a lot of, like, uh, you know, coincidences and crazy wild stuff. But he, he he's going to explain to you why um, it's not a conspiracy. But, uh, like in this paragraph, he says, but what if they, what, what if they are coincidence? But uh, coincidence isn't what we think it is. Perhaps coincidence is not Coincidence is not random, but orchestrated, uh, not by a conscious human agency, uh, into patterns that conform to certain belief systems and meet certain psychological needs. As illustrated earlier, people with certain emotional and psychological needs are attracted to conspiracy theories. Well, the reverse might also be true. Patterns of events that look like conspiracies are attracted to needs that exist in human society. Together, these form what we might call a matrix of synchronicity that is grist through the conspiracy mill. Uh, I mean, that that is uh, that is okay. What what is this guy coming from? For one thing, what does that even mean? It's this idea that like. Reality is, is, is subjective. That by thinking or having a need or something like that, it manifests the thing that you have the need for somehow or another. And, it, and I think this, it reminds me of the, the, whole, the whole secret thing and like you manifest your own reality and all that. That's what it sounds like to me here. But yeah, it's, it's this whole idea that, okay, yeah, reality is just subjective uh it's it, it is sort of um you know is kind of custom tailored to each individual and their own kind of perspective on the on things um i've actually heard people that i've and it's interesting I, i've never noticed this really uh until i, uh, I hiked the appalachia trail in 2003 and i'd meet different people along the trail, because there's a lot of people that hike the Appalachian Trail every year, uh, end up end up meeting a lot of people that are from that neck of the woods up there in the New England states, you know. And something that kind of came out in some discussions with people, which I never really had ran across before, it's this idea of because uh, I would hear things like um, people say, like, yeah, you have, like, your own truth. 
And uh, I have my own truth, and they're both equally valid. And then uh, I was sitting at this campfire, and I I asked the dude, I said, yeah, so see how the the fire is going, and it looks, you know, we've got some hot coals in there, and it's looks and it feel you know it's giving off a lot of heat uh, you know, i mean if we both take our hands at the same time and, and stick them down in those hot coals what do you think our experience is going to be you think you'll experience cold or i'll experience cold and the other will experience hot or we'll probably have very similar experiences if we both plunge our hands down into those hot coals right there and just kind of keep them down in there like do a little bit of a game of chicken and see if it see see what sensations and then let's compare notes afterwards. And he was like, "No, I don't think so." And I said, "Yeah, I mean, I don't either. I, I really don't want to do that." But I, I I I'm pretty sure we know what is going to happen. And uh, so he conceded the point. Yeah. So it's it's. So like there is there is such a thing as a, an objective reality that's experienced by anybody that's experienced in this you know this this particular realm physical realm or whatever you want to call it and that the hot the coals if you build a fire and get hot coals you can make popcorn on it uh, you can do that you know and every time you try it it'll work. Like, you know, if you have regular, something's not wrong with your popcorn, you'll pop, they'll pop popcorn every time. You get the hot coals there, you get a pan, you put some butter down in the pan or some coconut oil, whatever you got, you put the pan down in there, cover it up so the popcorn don't go everywhere. It's going to make popcorn every time, every single time. Uh, that's a, that's something that's not, doesn't lends it, doesn't lend itself to sub, sub subjectivity. Like, Nobody's going to go into it with a totally different expectation and come out with a different, an entirely different result. Like you, you're not going to put popcorn kernels in there, hear the popping, and then open it up, and then there be like, oh, rice krispie treats, seriously? Oh, rice krispie treats. Yeah, that's what I was craving, man. And I took some mushrooms, and I stuck the popcorn down in the fire and the coals. And I made Rise Krispie Treats, dude. It's all subjective reality, man. You need to tune in and tune out and drop out. Nah, it doesn't work that way, dude. It just doesn't. Sorry. It's going to be popcorn. Now, if you put the, the Rice Krispie cereal and the marshmallows in there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I, I got you. I feel you. You get Rice Krispie Treats, you let them cool. After you put them down in there and melt the nice marshmallows and all that into the Rice Krispies. Yeah, Rice Krispie treats. I think you put butter. I don't know. Uh, but according to this guy, in this article, Synchronicity Myth in the New World Order, you put popcorn down there, you might get Rice Krispie treats. It's all just a matter of your own subjective kind of predisposed expectations about things, I guess. Same thing with conspiracy. It looks just like a conspiracy happened, but no, that's just uh, that's just your perception of things, man. But uh, let's see. Da 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 da. Scanning through this very long 
blog post. I'm trying to find where I know what I'll do. I'll search within the document. Uh, the divergence of reality and truth is confusing to the objectively steeped mind. Uh, to further confuse matter, shadow realities can have an effect on each other. It is just like a quantum experiment in which each possible state of a particle has an effect on an observable system. Even though when a measurement is taken, the particle is found to occupy only one of those states. In other words, the mere possibility of it occupying a certain state has physical effects. In a similar way, perhaps our world occupies a superposition of states, one of which is the NWO state, and we can see the interference effects of that state even without, be, even without its being real, quote-unquote. Its reality, and that of the conventional explanation as well, is indeterminate. It is only when we begin to investigate that, that we collapse the wave function and enter into one or another shadow reality. Holy shit, dude. Now, was this guy smoking crack when he wrote this, or what was he on, is what I want to know. Uh, how about this? And this goes into, uh, I think it's called teleology. It's like you see patterns and you see things that uh, appear as patterns. And the reason why they appear as patterns is because they have some sort of uh, purpose behind them, like some intent. Uh, that, that, that makes sense to me. Like if I, okay, a salad... Salad tongs have the uh, ability to grasp salad and uh, transport it to your dinner plate. They can pick up a hot potato off the grill. They have a design, a form, and a function. Teleology, it's, uh, it, it, it lends itself to a certain interpretation like there's a there's a, a function and a, and and it's made up of these component parts and in their in their assembled state they perform a certain function. You can observe patterns in anything and you can come away with an idea that okay there's some intent behind it. Uh, there's a design. That's why I, I personally am a creationist. I believe that when you see something in nature. Oh, like the eye, like the, okay. Now, a Darwinist will tell you, yeah, the eye evolved just through piecemeal happenstance. Okay, what, I mean, you don't have any proof for that, and you don't have any, you can't demonstrate it in a lab, and you can't repeat. No, no, but that's the way it happened. Okay, whatever. Uh, so, it, so it evolved independently, like, five or six different times, because, you know, as we go back in the so-called tree of life, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, like a, like a cephalopod, like a octopus de developed an eye and evolved it separate from a, a jaguar or a man or an ape or anything like that. So it had to evolve separate times on its own, independently, without any kind of direction or guidance or anything, just some blind random chance formed the eye multiple times and then ended up with very kind of uh, a similar design pattern. 
Well, I mean, people believe that. They actually believe that. Uh, things can just kind of self-organize with no explanation whatsoever other than some random process. Randomly shuffling the building blocks of life around, you end up with these fantastical, coincidental occurrences, just for no reason. Uh, that's a certain type of way of thinking. Um, it's like, a, well, some people like to call it coincidence theory. Like, there's, like it says too in this article, I mean, there's, like, it, it says, like, oh, you know, anybody comes out with a, postulates that there's a conspiracy behind something, there's always the, the there's always the objection to it that, uh, you know, that person is crazy. And then the fact, too, that there's nothing that ever happens that can't be explained away as a coincidence. So, yeah, the eye formed multiple different times through different species of animals, coincidentally, with no direction or purpose, through random mutation and natural selection, selecting random mutations. So you, you don't get anything with random selection other than selecting something that was that came to being from randomness. So, it, but people, but you get into discussion with people about evolution theory, and they put a lot of emphasis on, well, it's natural selection. It's not random. It's natural selection. Well, you're selecting random crap is what you're selecting. It's very, very, very simple logic that a child can understand it. You can't you you can't select something unless it exists. That's very, very fundamental uh logic. You got a grape. You got a a Bartlett pear. Uh you got you got a choice. What what do you want? You want this bunch of grapes? Sure, delicious and cold, and I got them out of the refrigerator just now, and I got this Bartlett pear, nice and ripe, tasty. Select one. I select uh, cranberry sauce. Well, don't have any cranberry sauce. You can't select it, then. It's out of the equation. Well, how did those things come about? Well, through random processes. But the random processes is the only... Ex only explanatory, the only mechanism they give to explain the reason why anything exists is purely random chance. So once you get that in the door, once you have that out there and about taught in all your universities, taught to all your school children, taught to everybody as, as, as an indisputable fact, and then you get people even that you think are kind of got a, some cognitive functioning going on and they, oh yeah, I'm, I believe in evolution. I believe in evolution theory. It's like, and then you got these people that are theistic. Theistic evolutionists? G give me a break, man. Okay, why would you be a theistic evolutionist? That makes no sense. Oh, so, yeah, I believe in God, but I, I believe in God that uh, he puts some molecules, and then the way he decided to, f to form life is to just bang them around with uh, radiation and kind of randomly assemble them and, let, and, and have just... Ages and ages and ages and ages of of um, failed uh, random mutations that um, never reproduce and die, 
And it's just eons and eons and eons of that. And that's how we got here. Uh, okay. Wow. Really? All right. Uh, no evidence of it, though. It didn't leave a trace behind, did it? No. Nope. No transitional fossils. Nope. 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 Mm-mm. But we believe it. Oh, it's a fact. Why? Because of repetition, psychic driving, uh, oh, consensus reality that's developed around it. And people parrot it. But it has no basis in reality. None whatsoever. You can't point to anything that's evidentiary of uh, evolution ever happening. Um but you know it's it's you know this whole quantum theory now I think has injected new uh, life into the whole dying Darwinist uh, fantasy. The quantum theory. Oh, it's all happening in the quantum foam, Mr. Kendall. You just don't understand. It's it's all the quantum foam. You have absolutely no clue what you're talking about, do you? No, it's quantum foam. We know that much. Uh, a lot of stuff can happen because you observe a waveform, it collapses, it turns into something else, it turns into a particle, it's a wave, it's a particle, we don't know what it is. Schrodinger's cat, he's dead, he's alive. We killed him two, half a second ago, but he's alive in the parallel universe, which is, okay, th this is how far it's gone, like, you could do, I, I believe there's sciences out there that's measuring stuff, um, you got a caliper, you can measure, you can take measurements of things. There's all kinds of consistency in, throughout nature. There's, you know, the, the, you know, sacred geometry, that's a fascinating subject. I mean, there's all kinds of these patterns that emerge in nature and that are consistent and repeatable, and you can observe these things, and uh, they uh, lend themselves to experimentation as well. And there are sciences, I, I do believe that. Um... Now, piggybacked on all this is this whole these whole philosophies that have nothing to do with you know observable empirical proofs of anything. They're just conjecture and uh, just wild assertions about stuff that people you know just fanciful uh, myth myth making. Um, so you get to a point where okay, so the universe is fine tuned. I believe it's fine tuned. I mean it's why why would anything have to work what what's the reason for anything to work why is it why does water freeze at a certain temperature why does it turn to steam at a certain temperature and if it didn't you couldn't have life exist you can't do it doesn't work just one of those constants any anything you you could just pick uh the way radiation functions inside this particular formulation of an atmosphere and it, and it has to be this pretty concise makeup of the different gases and stuff like that. Yeah, I believe that. Uh, look at the moon, how if it's in, it's, it's in a, an eclipse state that the Earth just perfectly fits over it. And then it, the inverse, the sun first perfectly fits behind it so you can have a perfect eclipse of the sun. That's wild, man. What, how it just coincidentally happenstancedly does that? No, there's a design behind it, and there's a design, and this, and this sort of thing is not just the moon. It's it's all it's 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 replete throughout the whole entire universe. So how do these scientists deal with this? Because it's like you can only 
fall back on coincidence only so much before you look like a total buffoon. I mean, coincidence? Really? Coincidence again? Well, uh, your coincidence is a very, very powerful explanation for how things are. And, uh, yes, coincidence. Absolutely coincidence. And then you get into one thing after the other, after coincidence. Co- oh, coincidence. Oh, again, a coincidence, a coincidence, a coincidence, a coincidence. No, it's like at, at some point that is no longer useful. It, it's very, it's, for a lot of people, it's very, 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 very extremely useful to explain just about any freaking thing you want to bring up. Coincidence. Oh, yeah, you want to go into 9 11? Oh, I talk about 9 11. Well, what about, like, it's the first time that, you know, modern. Modern skyscrapers have collapsed from fire in history, and, and then there was like a yeah three of them that did it, and then like one of them was ah coincidence. They just they, those buildings just happened to be built bad. Uh, coincidence. It was just it's just a matter of time before it happened. Uh, according to that cat that did that article, it's like no oh, because the reason why they fell is because there was like a I have a psychological need to have that happen. Like I was, you know, watching that on TV, I had, I had a psychological need to see that collapse. So, me and all the other conspiracy uh, crackpots sort of collectively made it happen with our with our quantum brain waves. I, I don't know, whatever. Um, <laughs> wow. But um, yeah, coincidence, coincidence, coincidence. So you have to invoke this thing called the multiverse. Well, you got to understand, uh, there's infinite numbers of universes and infinite, number, infinite numbers of possibilities. Like, if, uh, like, you, there's a universe that exists where um, the uh, gases surrounding the planet Earth are slightly off, and there's no life on the Earth in that universe, everything else being the same. And then there's a there's a universe that exists where uh, the uh, hydrogen molecule has uh, the nucleus is uh, has one uh, Neptune uh, of uh, bond less than uh, it does in our universe, so life doesn't exist. I, I just made that up, you know. But talking about the because they say like the the at the atomic level, it's fine-tuned so that there's a certain bond, uh, a certain uh, uh, measurable force that is at the core of an atom so that, you know, if it was any less, that it, it couldn't hold its electrons. If it was any more, the electrons would be, um, would not allow for certain uh, chemical reactions or anything. Uh, so it, it it's, it's, Precisely on a razor's edge, fine-tuned for life. So then you get into the multiverse theory. But what's really interesting about that, and you let let Dawkins talk himself into a paint himself into a corner with this. It's pretty funny. Um, but see, I, he, he gets away with it because I don't think anybody's thinking this stuff through. They just, you know, it's just an appeal to authority, and you just Dawkins says something, and if you're a, you're one of those cultists that buy into all this crap, you just nod your head, yeah, yeah, it sounds about right, yeah, multiverse, yeah, that's the only explanation, the only logical explanation. And c- certainly, no creator did all this, 
So you got to go to this multiverse idea. But okay, Dawkins, let's go to your multiverse. So there's infinite numbers of uh, possible universes that exist simultaneously with this universe. And we just so happen to be the one that was uh, f perfectly fine-tuned for life to exist. Uh, yes, that's correct. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's other u infinite number of universes out there. Uh, is there not potential that in those other, you know, universes that there be life? Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, so the life could be, you know, it's, of course, it'd be extraterrestrial life. It's not of the Earth. Yeah, that, that's, that's true. Uh, so it could be, you know, billions or millions or billions of years more advanced than our civilization. Yeah. Okay, sure, why not? You know, parallel universes, infinite numbers of them exist. So that, that that's certainly a, it's, it's almost a, if you're going with that, that's almost a certainty, right? That you're going to have another universe with beings that inhabit this other universe that are far more advanced than people here on Earth. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because multiverse, you, you know, anything goes just about. Um Okay, so so they're so far advanced. Could they not communicate transdimensionally? Well, why not? Oh, okay. So you're the same guy that believes any any invocation of the supernatural is wacky and ridiculous, and that any person that buys into anything supernatural is deserving of ridicule, scorn. Any any uh, any method of contempt that can be delivered toward that person, they're 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 fully deserving of just the utmost scorn. Uh, you're a science denier. You're a hayseed. You're a rube. You're an idiot. You're a buffoon. You're a moron. You're a, uh, you're not worthy of of debating you. Um, but Transdimensional beings, superior transdimensional beings that are uh, inhabitants of a multiverse, science. That's science. Ha, ha, uh, really? Wow, okay. What? What? Uh, what? I, I don't know. I mean, what, what, what? What is that? What is that? I think it's hilarious. I think it's funny. I mean, flat, right in on, on its face, you have this glaring contradiction. Uh, but their theory has to accommodate that idea you have to accommodate the idea that okay if there's an infinite number of universes then there's it's, it's probably a certainty that advanced life exists in one of these universes and that they can communicate transdimensionally and who's to say that hasn't been going on so uh, you can believe in that and that's science but to believe in uh, the supernatural, something 
that's uh, beyond the visible universe that exists exterior to it is uh, that puts you in the category of uh, basically a uh, uh, like a brain dead vegetable like you're not even worthy of consideration how do you able to even deliver that with a straight face is beyond me but people lap that stuff up now it's another question whether these people are just actors do they really believe what they're saying because it's it is totally laughable on its face and of course they go unchallenged on they're not going to be challenged on it uh has nothing to do with you know presenting logic or interjecting rational discussion into any of this it's just a it's a bully pulpit they got all the kids at school they got all the, they that's all they need they need the young minds that they can shape and then they could teach them quantum theory now that everything is subjective everything is you know it could look like this but that hey that could be just that could be just uh quantum soap floating around bubbles yeah my uh who gives this who gives this analogy oh yeah my i went out i went out in the driveway my car's gone well i mean what is the first thing that comes to mind you start postulating like a you you start you know wondering like what what kind of does it, does it slip through the through the 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 quantum uh the quantum uh soap bubble there and then the it the quantum soap bubble burst and then y your your car was in it and it, it disappeared quantumly and then it maybe it rematerialized uh uh on some other in some other dimension on some other planet and so it's like parked behind this big giant boulder on this other planet in this other dimension where the uh where the uh um the temperature is like 47 below zero and then uh you're gonna have a hell of a time scraping the ice off your windshield if it ever transports back you know does that stuff happen no i mean why would you even think that? Because it has no application to the real world. That's why there's no. It has. No, it serves no purpose. The only purpose it serves is when you get you get uh, to listen to these people pontificate about stuff, and uh, and then they'll be teaching this stuff in school before you know it, and it'll it'll just be the new philosophy. Uh, yeah, so I've been rambling for about an hour. It's January 19th, 2015. Uh, try reloading the chat, see if anything's going on there. Okay, of course it's froze up. A cave monk saying, I got a crap phone still. It will suck. But I could try to hook up a cam my cousin gave me. Yeah, you could call in, man. If you're not lost in the quantum foam, dude. I hope not. Uh, so he's not even on the chat. I'm confused. He is. Um, oh, okay. Rochello is on here. 
Uh, if you want to, if you're listening in, that's cool, Rochello. If you want to talk, hit star eight, and I'll unmute you. Because I know you like to uh, listen in on the phone. Rochello has. Hey, Rochello. What's up? Hey. Yeah, I just want to uh, chime in and say hey to you. What's going on? Are you. Not much. You're in. You ever go into Portland or you just stay in. Uh, what is it? Troutdale? Troutdale, Gresham. Um, you know, I, I drive through Portland every once in a while, but mostly I try and. Uh, Stay out of the city mostly, but I mean, I'm I'm really right here, you know. Do you um, you go to the farmers markets or anything? Um, like... I I haven't really went to. You know, I'm kind of lazy, so I don't really I don't really cook as much as I'd like to. Um, but I there is a couple farmers markets like. Farmers markets where they sell veggies and stuff is what you're talking about, right? Uh, yeah, like where it's kind of well. The reason why I was asking, I was wondering if like you get into any kind of discussions with folks out and about, and get into any kind of conversations with them, kind of get an idea of what kind of ideas are out there. Because like we were talking about Oregon before Portland and stuff, and you were telling you're you're talking about how. Um, well, I'm getting a getting some disturbance there. Quantum disturbances. Now, I, now I blame everything on on quantum theory. That was those were text messages coming through my phone. How about that? Yeah. Oh, that's what it, it makes like a uh, it, what that was like a interesting sound effect. But anyway. Um, the, uh, yeah, people now in I'm Oregon. Call, now I'm getting a phone call, I'm sorry. Oh, you got a call coming in? Okay. Um, yeah, I was wondering what, what the people discuss in Oregon. Because it is a, uh, of. Uh, a liberal bastion, experimental city. I don't know. It's interesting. What else is in my? Uh, Had some stuff in my notes. Uh, look at this other thing that John sent me. The Charlie Ebdo, Charlie Ebdo, Ebdo, yeah, conspiracy too crazy for Alex Jones. This is from. Uh, let me post it into the chat. Did I post that other one in the chat? I think I did. I hope I did. Pretty sure I did. I'll do it again. Just, just to be. Thorough. But here's this one. Bought up up. 
let me get the other one. And see, I'll unmute you here in a second, uh, Rochelle. Grab this. That's an interesting read. That uh, myth, synchronicity myth, in the New World Order. It, it's pretty long-winded, but uh, it's. I think that's the new, new thought, new schools of thought. Uh, it's it's called situ, situationalism. It's kind of like your whole position in the cosmos kind of gives you your own unique kind of personal little encapsulated reality, and then it's it's totally subjective. You ever hear anybody talk about that kind of stuff, Rochelle? Um, didn't didn't catch her there, and I apologize. I I was trying to end the call that I was getting to my phone. And I actually ended every call that I had. So, um, uh, what were you saying? No, I was gonna. I was asking you about uh, by people that talk about. Uh, oh, they'll say something like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's you know interesting." Like you having a you you're you're expressing an opinion about something, and then they come up with they come back at you with this idea that. Um, yeah, you know, that's uh, that's good, and, you know, like, everybody has, like, their own truth, you know, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's true for you, may not be true for me, but it's, you know, yeah, I, you know, I respect your truth, like, you ever heard anybody talk about that? Um, I've never heard anybody say that specifically or in that regard, um, but, um, I, you know, I think that people would say that kind of, it's almost like people have this, um, it's almost like the, um, I, I don't like the word programming, but I'm going to say that, you know, the program responses that people have to certain things, and they vary also um, to certain things. I think that it's like it's starting to involve a lot of, like, ego and narcissism, you know, and it's like um, false narcissism and false ego, like to where um, people feel like they feel empowered by, um, you know, saying, like, I don't care or, like, oh, yeah, you know, I respect your opinion or something or, well, you know what I mean? Like, like people, um, it, it's almost like a, um, uh, a uh, what would you call it? It's like their way to get through things. Uh, that's their way of, um, they feel like they've, like, thought through something or, you know, apply some critical thinking to the scenario that they're speaking of, um, and then they just kind of end it with, uh, yeah, I respect your opinion, or, you know, everybody everybody thinks that way. What I've really gotten a lot is, um, if that's just the way it is, that's pretty much what I hear, you know what I mean? That's just the way yeah. things are, and it's almost like that's the way people say that it's, it's with an air, it's, they, they say it with arrogance and with, um, uh, complete authority, you know, like they, like they really are, like, like they've really done some critical thinking, and you know, that's the conclusion that they've come to, and so they really say it like with ego. Um, so mm -hmm. that's pretty much what I get. Yeah, it's like a. Uh, I gather too, it's kind of a a, a way to like there, there's people don't want to get any kind of a confrontation. They don't want to get into any kind of. Uh, you know, be in opposition to anybody's other other person's opinion. So there's that aspect of it too. I see. And 
and, yeah, and they feel like they're they act like they're doing you a favor when they're when they're you know what I mean saying well you know I don't want to talk about like they act like they're doing you a favor and like they're they're being the bigger man at that moment by saying something like that when really that's kind of like a program response. It's really awkward. I don't really know how to explain it. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it uh it's kind of like a like a way to kind of sidestep any, you know, dealing with anything. And then yep. uh yeah. that's why I see it as it's kind of a a cop out or whatever you want to call it or it's, you know, yeah, it's uh, you know, yeah, that sounds like it might be true or maybe not be true, but um uh yeah, you know, if you believe in that, yeah, that's cool and um you know, maybe that's true for you, but uh you know, I have like a different truth and then my right. my truth is different from yours and uh you know we'll never hear about either. In other yeah, in other words, like there's no really way to pin anything down because there is no way to know what um, reality even is. I think there's like yeah, a word for that. It's called solipsism or something like that, where it's like you, you, there is no knowing. Uh, there's only sort of this subjective take on things, which I think, which I think is is has some validity to it, where it's you know it's it's true that you can only know so much. I mean, you have a limited. Uh, um, time on the earth, you have a limited uh, uh, scope of things that you can even know or experience. I mean, there's stuff that's taking place on, uh, oh, well, that invisibly, invisible to our eyes, you know, and our experiences that, you know, we can't experience directly. Um yeah, but I still think that there are some scenarios which involve and encompass ultimate truths, you know what I mean? Things that you cannot get around, you know, instead of um, making uh, ridiculous claims, basically. Uh, you know, like, um, I think that anything is possible, right? Like, anything in the world is possible to happen or to... Anything can happen at any moment. Aliens could come down, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's a possibility of that because we don't know what everything actually is all about, what this whole world and this life is about. But the probability of certain things, that's what I'm talking about, you know what I mean? The probability that this scenario actually happened or this happened or this didn't happen, you know what I mean? That's Mm -hmm. pretty much what I uh, look at. And I think that there's some things where you can't get around... Uh, the fact that there's there's ultimate truth to some situation scenario, you know what I mean? And so I think mm-hmm. that those are the things, those are, those are specifically the things that I'm talking about. And those are the things that people um, try and deny and apply coincidence theory, as you like to talk about, uh, to a lot of things, you know, and I think that that is, um, I, I think that that's kind of taking things a little far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, Definitely believe there's such a thing as objective truth. I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't buy into any of this this stuff that says that there that that there's no way to know because uh, you can know. I mean, you you can, um, well, like if you want to talk about what's real as far as what's being presented 
to you in the media or in school or in these in any of these institutions, you kind of have to look at um, how these in, it's how these institutions are structured and all that, and and if if it's even you know one thing I talked about I, I didn't I didn't really put much emphasis on it, but how how people are um, and and this this is evidence to me. You know the evidence to me that that this system is you know unnatural and it's a it's a uh, a product of uh, being subjected to a, uh, a overarching uh, program or, or a conspiracy or whatever you want to call it. It's just if you could observe the way that people will uh treat the so-called uh authorities like if you know if you get any kind of run in with the so-called police and the court system like people will be like embarrassed and ashamed because they got caught without their sticker on their license plate and they'll feel bad like oh I'm not a good person because it's like well anything else in any other particular context people don't respond that way but when it comes to court they they automatically turn on this guilt switch where it's like oh i i i should have been paying closer attention to that you know it's like i and and like oh so you're gonna have to pay three hundred dollar fine yeah you know, is that just? Well, you know, like like you said, well, it, that's the way it is. You got to pay it. Yeah, it, it, man, really, people feel guilty about that. You know, I I think that the people who feel guilty about it would do something about it. Um, I mean, the way I talk about it is that is the most expensive sticker in the world, as I know it. Um, you know, the tiny sticker. You know, you should at least be able to personalize the sticker and you know what I mean, make it make it look good or something like that since you're paying so much damn money for it. Um, but you can't do that. Um, and so, you know, for me too, I don't have tags on my car as at the moment actually, oh. and I don't really, I don't feel bad about it at all. I don't feel bad about it at all. I actually feel like um, I feel like I'm getting raped. You know. Um, Every day that I uh, exit the exit the door out of my house, I have a um, a tub of Vaseline, and I stick yeah. my two fingers to the tub of Vaseline right before I exit the door of my of my house, and I just kind of lube up my um, you know my my hole there, so that the penetration of is is easy for them. Um, <clears throat> And good on me, you know, because we're getting raped out here day by day, and uh, I think that that's just kind of a they call it tax, but it's actually a tax. And um, there's I don't know if out in Oklahoma if they take your car if you don't have that on your oh, car. Oh, yeah, they, they give you a ticket, and I guess okay. if you don't pay that ticket and you still keep driving with your, you know, so-called expired tag that you'll get maybe another warning. I think they'll probably tow you at the second, um, you know, like if you've been driving for several weeks and they pick and they hit, hit you again. But, um, yeah, you get your, you get your shit towed. 
And, and that's uh, called, and I don't know what that's called. To me, that's called, like, stealing, like, highway robbery. Like, if I did mm-hmm. that, they would like, thievery and extortion and whatnot, but it's called something completely different. And so, honestly, what I'm thinking about doing, that's kind of a big deal to me, is that people who own their vehicles and have paid for their vehicles, and just because they don't have a sticker on their car that's incredibly expensive and um, unnecessary, I don't understand what the point of that is. I understand what the point of it is. Out, out here because um, they make you, you cannot get your tags until you do your DEQ check and all this and that. And so um, they kind of make it a necessity for you. But um, if the DEQ wasn't necessary, the tags wouldn't be necessary. And um, I think that it's, um, I think it's completely illegitimate and incredibly, um, what would be the word? I think it's, um, I don't think the word's corrupt, but it's kind of disgusting to me that the police can just steal your car off the side of the road and, oh, you yeah. know. Oh, it's corrupt. It's it's definitely so, corrupt. What if you had a $50,000 Mercedes Benz, you know what I'm saying, that you had paid for, and they take mm-hmm. it, and then they, they sell it at a police auction? I just think that that is disgusting. I don't know why mm-hmm. we've let that go on for so long, but I don't think that that's right in any way, and I think that there is something that we should do about that, you know. Um I know a couple of people who have had their car towed um, just within the last couple of weeks, you know, and it's it's a big deal to them, you know what I'm saying? And it's just um, completely legitimate. So, yeah, that thing is, I don't, I don't. It, it doesn't make sense to me that people kind of re, the way they react and the way they um, to the to any kind of you know, run in with the, the authorities is it's this, this kind of conditioned Pavlovian response that becomes so obvious. And then it's like, Oh yeah, well, I mean, you're, you're, you're observing somebody who is uh, conditioned to respond a certain way to this particular individual that identifies himself as a, as an authority. And the only thing that designates them as authority that's visible is is some kind of a, a suit or a badge or a, or like a, in the case of a judge like a gown, and uh, yeah, and and there and then it's it's really bizarre. It's like that you're you're part of this you're participating in this sort of uh, ritual that's that's um, that's performed by this cult. It's like a cult of authority. It's like it it and it and it uh, has no real basis in anything tangible or real either. And people think that it does, but it doesn't. I I, I love how you speak about um, it being a cult and, and whatnot. Uh, I was I think I watched something about cults or something like that, and they're speaking of the what would they call it, the specific points, like the the basic the basic foundations of a cult, you know what I mean? And I was like, Oh wow, that sounds exactly like that sounds exactly like a that sounds exactly like a country, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like it it sounds like there's so many different you can take three basic things and you know what I mean, complicate those things and make them into something that seems complicated, but it's really just three basic, you know what I'm saying, three basic um, points. Components, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you can take five numbers and you can complicate those and, and randomize them and compound them, you know what I mean, and take five other numbers and compound them, that's pretty much how it is about uh, cults and 
um, what would you call it, pyramid schemes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty much yeah. just really basic, basic points that are just compounded and complicated. And yeah. um, when you speak about cults and stuff like that, that's pretty much what sounds like basic countries, you know what I mean? And then you can yeah. break that down. You once you remove, into- yeah, once you remove all the... Uh- trappings of it you know you, you kind of get it down to its bare essence like where it's like okay what are we what are we talking about here i mean we're talking about just people right i mean they're just they're just people like a judge is just another dude and but he's you know he happens to fancy himself in a in a gown and then um you got these these police these people that identify themselves as as police and they uh dress up in their particular uh suits with a particular configuration, it's usually now it's more dark colored, um, and then they have a badge that designates them as like this authority figure, and then right. um, yeah, and then immediately by doing that, like I could have a let, let's say I had a like a police outfit, and and there's that's the funny thing because I'm I was uh, I was looking at this it it. It appears, I don't know if this is true or not, but more and more people are out there impersonating cops, which I don't know if it's like a trend thing that's happening or what. But like when, so I, I got into looking up like videos that were talking about like, you know, the, they would report it on the local news. Oh, this guy was impersonating a cop. And then it's like, okay, what was he doing? Like, oh, he was pulling people over for speeding and he was, uh, you know, writing tickets and doing all this. is one guy, he was like, it showed a picture of him, and it's like, yeah, it looks like a guy that would try to do that. Yeah, so it's like, I don't know if it was true or not, but it's like, I could I could certainly see people doing that, you know, just, I guess, to get their yeah. kicks or whatever, to have some power over fascinating. somebody. Right, but, they're fascinating. They're, they're having a fascination with authority, you know. And Yeah, and they're feeling that, they're feeling that authority. And then I, I, I got to thinking about it, I said, okay, what what is any different than what that guy was doing than any cop on the payroll except for he was doing it free it's like he was just doing a he was just doing cop he was doing regular cop shit harassing people and pulling people over for you know little minor infractions and going 5 miles yeah. over the speed limit and stuff like that it's like that's right. a cop he was a cop Right, and nobody nobody comes and does our job or anybody else's job for kicks and giggles. You know what I mean? So that shows that the, the job that they're doing is actually it actually fulfills some kind of narcissistic and psychopathic um, yeah. um, need. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, nobody's gonna walk point, yeah. nobody's gonna walk into an Albertsons and start running people's. <laughs> start, uh, I don't have a you know what I'm Yeah, I don't have a. I don't have a. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? They're going to do something that feels like they're empowering themselves. And so, um, what do they say that that impersonation or, 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 yeah, you impersonation? get some, it's some special law against doing it too. It's impersonating a, a government official or a, a police officer or whatever. And you could go, I think you could go on eBay and buy badges of all sorts online, I think. I, I don't know. Right. I, I think I was. So, so. Yeah. But imitate, imitation is the is the ultimate form of flattery. Is the, you know what I'm saying? Like there's something about it that uh, people get people are not getting paid to do it, but they're they're taking it upon themselves to get themselves a uh, an official looking vehicle, and 
just tool around town and just start writing people tickets and stuff and start uh, being the authority. And uh, well, I, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's what's so different than what they're doing than what any so-called cop would be doing. You know, that's basically essentially yeah, what they do. Yeah, I make a point to not look at police officers and men in uniform, like military uniforms, when they're walking around and stuff in the stores or whatever, because people kind of, they stare, you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> they stare at them like they're movie stars, you know? And they have, they do have this air of, um, people give it to them. They don't have it. People give it to them, this air of authority. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and they understand that, I think, you know, even if you don't feel that way, when you put a uniform on for the first time, I think that after being on the force for a couple of years, I think you would ultimately get that feeling that, yeah, you know, when I drive by, people slow down. When I get out of my car or when I walk into a store, people look at me, they stare at me, they wonder what I'm doing. People are curious, you know what I'm saying? And they're, uh, uh, they're basically curious to the point where they're, um, I don't know, I don't know what I'm saying there. I'm, I'm off of but, no, but people, I know. Yeah, people, I know what you're saying. Yeah, people are so curious that they're they're basically they basically gawk and they're basically um, they become like their minions. You know what I'm saying? And I think that that, that kind of um, that gives the police people the police feel disgusted by the people who are looking up to them and I don't know making them feel like they're some kind of superior. I think that that kind of uh, aids them on to like beat the hell out of you because they feel like you're a piece of shit basically you know because you're so you're such a um like, do you know what i'm saying Chris? i don't know yeah, have, you, yeah. Have, you, have you have you ever had anybody like um grovel to you you know what i'm saying like when somebody's groveling really. to you like it's not really not really <laughs> you know to be honest with you i wouldn't say it's groveling but i've had people who are over complimentary or you know what i'm saying and try and get on your good side you know what i mean it's yeah. kind of like, ugh, that's kind of disgusting. And you you understand why, like, I can't even imagine, like, these movie stars and music stars or whatever, like, how they feel towards the public when people are, like, groveling to them and, like, treating them like they're royalty, you know? Like, if you know that you're not royalty and this and that, then you kind of feel some kind of disdain towards those people who are groveling to you. You're like, you know, get your own life. And, like, why do you look to me for... All this stuff, you know, um, it, it just kind of makes you feel, it kind of makes you feel, like, uh, disgusted towards certain people, you know what I mean? Mm, yeah, I know what you mean. It's kind of this um, psycho interplay of psycho uh, psychology that goes on between these uh, people that are perceived as authority. I mean, there's nothing to it other than, like, uh, well, they, they, they supposedly go through these... these hours of training and then they get um this badge and a gun and a suit and a car uh to and then they and then they project this image and then people have this whole um mental framework that's already installed in them through their programming and a lot of this is through television dramas and stuff like that too so they get um this idea we get this idea in our heads that um you know, these are very important people, and without them, things would be just, would go to shit. And I've and I thought about this a lot, and I said, is that really true? How much truth is there to that? Because there's no doubt that 
cops do serve a particular function and um, that is not performed anywhere else by any other members of society. You know, they'll, they do things too that are, that, you know, like, you know, blocking off traffic if there's a wreck or anything like a water main bust or something like that. They can go and divert traffic. Yeah, they serve a definite function, but now you could you could point those things out, and then you could also point out like, well, they they generally speaking never prevent crime. They're always they always come usually after the fact to fill out a report. But but um, exactly. Yeah, that's, but if you that's were a huge to, point. That's what's that huge again? Point that I'm just saying that's a huge point that they're only there after the fact because basically that means that anybody could be in that situation. You know what I'm saying? Anybody could be there at that time to call, you know block off traffic. People do stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? People are serious about helping oh, other sure. people. Yeah, and, and, and then so I, it's like it's people that are that either maybe they were you know former cops or maybe they just take it upon themselves to um you know know some basic uh you know basic um EMT skills and that sort of thing and know some um and then they take it upon themselves to like help people out if they ever come upon an accident scene or something like that but my question is what if that function was taken away from police and then it was like it was up to the average person to learn um, you know, emergency medicine and to learn of how to handle a traffic accident or or to learn how to like stop a um out of control bleeding wound and every and people in general took it upon themselves to help out their fellow man in like they you know, everybody just kinda as a general rule, just like they you carry yeah. a spare tire, you also carry a first aid kit. Like you and yep. then, how much better would that be than having to like wait? Because you know, um, what do they say? Like when 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 um, when seconds count, the the cops are only minutes away. That saying, it's like that's that's generally true. So like, what what if what if what if our society was geared around more of a, a, a sort of do it yourself kind of uh, culture where people took it upon themselves to look after each other and to give people immediate aid right there on the scene. And then, like, people automatically sprung into action whenever there was an accident to, like, block off the roads. Okay, you got road flare? Of course I got road flare. If I got my jack, I got everything in my truck. Okay, car, whatever. Uh, put the road flares out. Get the traffic diverted. Um, let's get this guy. He's going to divert traffic around. You just got, like, three or four people that take it upon themselves to, like contain the accident scene and then um you know and then the ambulance shows up and then you already got the guy you already got the people already kind of uh their wounds contained and all that so they're not bleeding out and then um you know everybody kind of knows what's up with all of that stuff just kind of as 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 a citizen you know what i mean so so that it 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 there's no longer there's no longer this authority that is sort of this uh caretaker figure that's presented out there to us that we have to take it upon ourselves to like i don't know maybe even carry a firearm to protect 
yourself and your family and um and uh that 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 is kind of infused into the culture where just you know everybody as a general rule does that i tend to think yeah, things would be way better as a whole much much safer if, if that's what their goal is and um much I think safer that it's kind of, yeah I think that it's kind of like training, uh, you know, training people to take welfare and to take um, social aid and stuff like that, you know, over a certain period of time and decades and years and generations. People are, you've kind of had that um, bred out of you to um, feel like your assistance is needed in a time of, um, of obvious um, turmoil you know, to feel like you need to take initiative and take care of a situation or be some kind of assistance in the situation. I think the people have had that right out of them, and they're not, mm-hmm. they don't feel like they need to do anything except for dial three numbers at the most, you know, and then even that is left to, um, that's kind of up in the air as to whether they figure that somebody else has already dialed those three numbers, you know, and so. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, so it's to that point where, like, you got you got people, like, that live in these big cities, like I say, in New York City, where somebody will be laying on the ground, bleeding out, and then nobody's calling, because they assume the other person's taking care of it. it. So how many people have died because of that exact scenario right there? Probably just countless numbers of people have died from lack of lack of care, because... That's not my job. There's people that are paid to do that in our society. We leave it to right. the professionals. And then all they need, all that person needed was to have somebody apply pressure to that wound so that they don't bleed out. Oh, that's all right. they needed. And it, it, it only take like five minutes of your time out of your day to save that right. person's life. But, but, right. but, but you're so conditioned to defer that to this authority figure that you would never, and then people will say, "Well, you get sued." It's like, no, nah, it's bullshit. Who's going to sue you? That, that doesn't happen in real life. Um, yeah, that, that's not a that's not a concern. If that's your main concern, then you you should maybe like, yeah, I mean, they yeah, die. They, yeah. they, they didn't debate that in the scenario. You know what I mean? Whether when that situation was going on, they didn't debate that in their head. Like, well, what if somebody tries to sue me or something? You know, somebody yeah. asked me. Uh, was one of my one of my cousins or something like that. They asked me at one point. You know, we were having a conversation with the family. You know, what do you think is the biggest problem in the world is today? And I think that I said apathy is is mm-hmm. one of them for sure. Because you know, if you don't care, if you don't give a damn about, it doesn't matter if it's true, if it's dangerous to you, if it's dangerous to your family or anything. If you don't give a damn and you don't care, then there is nothing that anybody can do. You know what I'm saying? Like, you are going to continue to do as you wish. You know what I'm saying? And, and not as, not do what is necessary to, uh, pull the situation at, at hand. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that people who walk by people who are bleeding and dying on the street and stuff like that, they're kind of, we've kind of bred this narcissistic, apathetic culture yeah. and society. And people think, kind of feel like it's kind of cool to, like, do that also. And then they also feel like they're kind of, they don't want to get involved with anybody's situation. Like, it's, it's, I think it's a mixture of multiple things when you're, when you talk about cross cultures and stuff and the reasons why people ignore people who are bleeding and dying on the street, you know? Yeah, because it's not, I, I think the, the main breeder of apathy is this whole, um, people would say, oh, it's, it's, it's government. No, it's, it's just, it's just institutional, uh, institutionalization 
And it doesn't matter what you kind of government, if like you have this, well, it's part of the money system too. I mean, that's, that's part of it. It's like, oh yeah, well he's paid to do that. And then, so I got to thinking about this stuff and it's like, yeah, probably, I know, I know basic like CPR and I know, and I've been to different uh, classes about, you know, first aid and how to administer first aid and stuff. But uh, I'm going to make it a point to go and get refresher courses on that stuff and, I think I think it's important, and then you know, to be able to to help somebody out if I ever run across an accident scene or something like that, and I'm I'm, I'm in a position where I could potentially you know help somebody out or something. I think it's like really good to know that stuff, and to be and to keep um, current on it. You know, keep you know keep that kind of stuff fresh in your mind. You know, because you never know when it might come in handy maybe for like uh one of your own family members or somebody like a friend or you know um you know I, I do hiking and stuff you know and like uh you know maybe um i i might need to do uh fix my own splint or um maybe help somebody out that i run into out on the trail that's fallen or something like that and maybe sprung their ankle or something you know it's uh um yeah it's just just coming to this realization that um that uh you know all of us to one degree or another have been um you know conditioned to to think that those things were somebody else's responsibility and like why is that the case why why is that just because they're getting paid you know, I think that there's, again, just like anything and everything, there's multiple reasons as to why. And I think that, you know, part of that, again, is apathy. And I think that one of those things, just like you said, yeah, the mind system for sure. And then instant gratification. I think that that breeds, you know, apathy and narcissism for sure. Um, you know, unless somebody's getting something, can see um, some kind of... Um, plus points for them out of some situation or deal, nobody's going to do anything unless it benefits mm-hmm. themselves, you know? People yeah. aren't going to, you know, that's why I was telling, I don't know who I was telling, but I was like, you know, be careful about accepting free stuff or gifts from anybody or anybody that wants to do anything for you. And that's sad that we all become so jaded, but, you know, you really have to wonder why somebody is doing certain things. And again, there are some people, for sure, who do things who have no intentions or no, um, they, they have no motives or anything for what they're doing rather than just do good for some people. But I think, again, those people are becoming fewer and more far in between. You know, when I was behind a guy in the 7-Eleven and he was trying to buy two beers, you know, um, they they said that he didn't have enough money or whatever. And he was like, oh, man, you know, and I and I was like, oh, no, I'll pay for his beers, you know what I mean? Like, I wasn't worried about it. It was a Friday. I just got paid, you know what I mean? And I was like, oh, no, I have his beers, you know what I mean? And people were scared, dude. The guy behind the counter, even the guy I was buying the beers for was like, are you are you sure? Like, are you serious? Like, they were, like, terrified, you know? Like, why are you doing this? You know what I mean? And so I'm like, people are scared of people who do good things now because everybody yeah. understands. Vicious. People... Yeah, people. People. Well, I mean, um, what were you doing, really? Were you trying to slip the guy a roofie or something? I mean, no, you I'm know, what I really did was, was I, yeah, I wanted to go behind the bush and I wanted to share <laughs> that. With, you know what I mean? And then, you know what I'm saying? I was gonna, um, I was gonna make a no, work. I know. Stuff. Yeah, I've had similar things happen. It's like it's it, it's not normal. It's not in the norm now, which is which is kind of that's odd in itself. It's like ah, why, why, why not? You know, you want to do somebody a. Uh, Kind gesture. Yeah, it was, 
Right. It was like $4. You know what I mean? I didn't think anything of it, but I took specific note when the reaction that I got from people when I decided to do that. You know what I mean? I was like, wow, like this is like, this is like, this is like speaking the truth in a time of uh, lies. You know what I'm saying? Um, it, people were really shocked by that. You know what I'm saying? And I've only, I've done that twice now. You know what I mean? Um, but only once I had that reaction. So, uh. yeah. Yeah, it, it, yeah, there's that, um, yeah, I think that's becoming more pronounced, you know, where it's, people kind of have this, um, standoffish attitude where, yeah, you just don't want to get involved with anything. Uh, right. Yeah, and then, yeah, you hear this stuff too about getting sued and stuff like that. If you did the, yeah, that's, that, that's, uh, that's just a lame excuse not to get involved and, yeah. You yeah, know, I, now that, now that, that maybe they're trying to breed, you know, people. I think it's, I think that, you know, what, what this whole, not the whole thing, but I think that a part of the fight is, um, that's going on even with all these, what do you want to call it? Hoaxes, false flags, or whatever. You know, all this is, yeah. um, kind of trying to make us stay to ourselves and not be trustworthy of other people and not, you know, work together and trust people because, to tell you the truth, my boyfriend, he dropped, um, he dropped his wallet outside of our, house, uh, over by my car, over by our townhouses, and somebody was knocking on the door at our house, you know, we're like, I was looking out the window, I'm like, I don't know who this person is, and I didn't want to answer the door, you know what I'm saying, because I didn't have any business with them, and they knocked for a little bit, came back and knocked again, and then tried to open our door to our house, and oh, then my right. boyfriend went, what are you trying to do? You're, you just try to open my open the door to my house, you know? And they're like, oh, you dropped your wallet outside, you know? And they gave him his wallet with all of his money in it, like $300 in his wallet, you know what I'm saying, in 20s. And they wow. gave it back to him. And, you know, I was like, Zach, you should have been nicer to her because, you know what I mean? But those are good people, you know what I'm saying? There are good people out there who do things like that, you know what I'm saying? And those are the people who I think who are... Um, a target for sure, or people who will help people out. You know what I mean. Even even when it when it would benefit them to not do that. You know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, yeah, I, I, yeah. There's, even even yeah. in even in spite all the conditioning and stuff that goes on, and the fear mongering in the media and stuff like people generally are like want want to help each other out and stuff. Right. It, yeah, and I think yeah. that's a, there's a war on people like that. You know what I'm saying. And yeah. And, um, so I. I I don't, I don't feel any kind of ill will towards people. I don't feel like I need to, um, I don't like to use the word punish or, you know, feel some kind of arrogance towards people. I think that that is kind of, um, I think that that's kind of bred into us. You know what I'm saying? They want yeah. that, they want that scenario to be, um, amongst all of us. You know what I'm saying? And I, I think, think that when you, when you, when you do things like that, like, even the response that my boyfriend gave to the woman when she gave her back her wallet, you know what I'm saying? I think that that's critical to how people handle the situation if she ever came upon another wallet, you know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, she felt that they were going to the extreme to give the wallet back to where they're going to open our door and toss the wallet in, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. so I think that I think that it, it, it encompasses everyone and the way that we respond to people and the way that we react to people when they're doing good things. Um, depends on whether or not people are going to do those good deeds again. Yeah, yeah. Like if it's um, if it's something that they 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 feel like a what was not a, not appreciated at all. That's another thing too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think you should have 
her more, Zach. Like, you should have been more thankful to her for doing that, you know, and told her how uh, appreciative you were that she did that, you know what I'm saying? And so she would kind of give her ego boost, basically, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, yeah, I agree. It's kind of, uh, uh, something that I think that's something that's missing, you know. It's and I think that's that uh, it, it, it does come out of the media. I don't think it could come from anywhere else. This whole distrust of people and um, this whole you know people being suspicious of each other that that is heavily promoted in the through the media. It's really heavily promoted, especially nowadays with all this stuff about terrorism and all this other bull crap. And, um, you know, like, you know, there, there was the AIDS scare and all that back in the, you know, 80s and 90s, you know, that, I think that was another thing, too, because I remember hearing about different stuff where, like, um, cops, where they're interacting with people and then, like, they're, get, they're, they're, like, terrified of getting in contact with any blood or anything like that. There was some different incidents around that where, like, cop shot the guy because they were afraid they're going to and then one of the things they said the guy was bleeding and they didn't want to get and the guy was like um he was he was in uh shock and he was like out of his mind and stuff and then he was trying to um get uh he he i think he was just out of his mind the cop shot him because they they would say oh yeah he was that they thought that they were going to get, he was going to get blood on them. And they said, it's like, yeah, it's just terrible. And it's like, what, what gets somebody to that particular state of mind? It's like, oh, this media hype and all this stuff. It gets you terrified of, uh, well, Ebola or AIDS or, uh, some mystery disease or that, that's to, that's to turn people against each other. That's the only purpose that it can serve. That, that's the way I see it. And, and all this stuff is to, is to make us, be in fear of each other and, you know, afraid of contracting some disease, afraid of, uh, you know, getting our head chopped off by a terrorist or just any, any number of things that are, are just fictional concerns. And such and such. Yeah. I, I think about, um, it's kind of totally not really off topic, but, um, I was thinking about the prison system and whatnot, and how they talk about how there's, you know, race wars within the prison system and everything. And they say, you know, you watch documentaries or whatever about prisons and jails, and they say that the inmates self-segregate themselves, you know. Mm-hmm. And I uh, I don't think that that's true at all. They actually segregate them, with, you know, the corrections officers and the police, they segregate them. They do that. They do the segregating, you know what I mean? And then they breed the, um, the what would you call, disdain towards each other or whatever. They, they breed the violence, you know, the gang wars or whatever. Um, yeah. Before that, they separated gang members and stuff before they did that. There's actually some prisoners and stuff who will not do that, who will not accommodate gang members and stuff like that. They will not segregate them into where they want to go. And they just mix them all in, and they have no problems, you know? Um, and, and when they don't mix them in, they do have problems, you know, because basically anybody who's not an idiot, anybody who, um, has some kind of worth and who's a smart person, just as a person on who they are and they don't care, you know what I'm saying? They don't care who that person is or where they came from or, you know, what, what 
what color their mom and dad was. It doesn't matter. They're judging that person on their character, you know? And so that's just, that happens. Even if you think that you're a racist, you know, you be confronted by somebody and be walking in a cell with somebody who's um, the opposite of your race, you're going to come to find something that you like about that person, you know? And I think that that's understood. But when you separate races um, and certain people, you um, kind of uh, breed the self-segregation, you breed the bias between each other, and it kind of uh, makes it to where the prisoners aren't going to turn on the correctional officers and turn on the system themselves, you know what I'm saying? Because that's really um, what we should be locking up as a system. Uh, I don't know how you would do that, but, you know, I want to put the system on trial, and that's what I want to do at some point. But um, I think that the whole racism and the gang wars and whatnot is... The, the reason that they let that go on is that people are so preoccupied with uh, doing that that they're not preoccupied with, you know, the situation or the system and as to why they're in the situation that they're in and to begin with, you know. Um, and I think that, that even in a larger view that happens to the population of countries and stuff, you know, we're kind of goaded into um, unnecessary wars against each other so that we're all preoccupied with fighting each other rather than fighting the system itself. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, you got to ask what it's what it's doing to you as an individual, like what it, what is it that um y- you take for granted as being something that's normal but it's really not. It's not really the it's not really a way to live. It's not a way to be. It's not a it's not a good way to be. It's not a good way to live. It's not it's not um it's not good for your your mental health either. Um, I think it's I think it's part of take take you know taking you know responsibility for yourself and then you know for your, you you try to be helpful to your fellow human beings and comes part that's part of being a human being. I think that the system is working against that any way possible, and that it's um, it's designed that way. I mean, yeah, you look at the television, it's full of all these cop dramas and hospital dramas and all this stuff, and then you have these, the, all these designated people that are sort of retain this, like, godlike status, and then, um, you know, they're, they're presented as these people that, oh, yeah, they, they're one uh, main objective in life is to help others and, and, and they have devoted their life and career to doing this, and then they, you know, stay up all night trying to figure out what was the cause of this particular infection and what is this mystery disease that's gonna, you know, take the life of this little girl. We got to find out, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna lose sleep over it, and that's that's, um, and then people get this whole myth myth um, mythology that's built up based upon these dramas and stuff. And that's not to say that, you know, people that work in hospitals don't don't care and don't have a degree of humanity and stuff like that, but um, I've, I've observed, yeah, I've, I've, I've observed stuff personally, and I, and I don't fault the individuals involved in it, but, I mean, for all appearances sake, it looks like that people are there and they're doing it as a job. They're doing it because they get paid, and they, and and um they're not paid to care really i mean they they do they 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 i'm not saying that they don't care but they don't exhibit this 
um, caring kind of uh, uh, facade like they present you in these dramas. That 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 is not the truth. They they go there and like we were. I was talking about that with John about how his neighbors uh, they induced labor, um, and it was to get the baby out before that there was going to be um, the weekend coming up. And, uh, you know, is that is that an individual that, like, has the mother and the child as the f- foremost priority? No, that's an individual that is has no regard for those natural processes. And it has really doesn't seem to me like has any true regard for the safety of that child or the safety of that mother. Like, they have other priorities, which are which are their own uh, selfish goals and stuff like that, which, you know, they're, they're paid to do so much. And then they don't really are, they don't really go beyond that because they're not paid to go beyond that. And that's what, that's what you have in the money system. You have these professionals that um, have these certain designated jobs and they, they um, have a limited degree of uh, concern for you. That's been my personal experience. That's been stuff I've observed. That's a lot of stuff I've heard from other people and stuff like that. That's that's just the way it is in this system. Absolutely, and I think that I think that a part of that too, the um, you know, a part of where that came from is the what would you call it, the structure of the state mandated um, things that they have to do within their jobs. You know, there's so many things that that you, I mean. So out here in Oregon in 2015, now it is illegal for someone who owns their own property to cut a tree down on their on their own property, you know? I mean, that is something that, oh. inherently that you have to defy, you know what I mean? They're trying to make hoodies out here illegal. Um, and so I think that when you start mandating and demanding that certain, certain establishments, hospitals and whatnot start taking, um, start taking not notes, but they have to take, uh, you know, measures and, get to uh, document any situation and everything that's going on. You know what I'm saying? There's so much paperwork, and they're just so flooded in paperwork and state-mandated, federal-mandated um, regulations. They don't even have time to care. They don't even have time to think about who they're in front yeah. of or anything. So it's like breeded out of them. They're, they're just they're, – the only sole purpose that they are there is to uh, get through these uh, mandated regulations that they have to uh, fulfill so that they can get their money. Uh, you know, for the basically, and so I think that that's probably one reason why they do that. It, um, and another reason is to just basically make it to where you can't even own a business. You don't, you don't own a business. You know, even when you start a business, there's so many regulations and so many things that you have to do that you can't even make the business the way that you want it. You know, um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking into the um, the Uber stuff that's around here and. Uber's in a big lawsuit with the city of Portland and whatnot, and they're saying that they're not allowing Uber to come into the city of Portland until they comply with the um, with the traffic regulations or, or taxi regulations of Portland, you know what I mean? And I looked at mm-hmm. transportation regulations, what they call it, and I looked that up. I looked up what transfer, transportation regulations were for the city, and, I mean, it is ridiculous, dude. You cannot, you don't own that business when you do that. They are telling you how to run your business. And so oh, yeah. it's over. There's no, there's no competition. And so that's, that's how everything is. That's not just transportation. That's, you know, restaurants. That's everything. And so everything is regulated and everything, that's why everything is the same. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. 
it's so, uh, I think that, uh, just like hospitals and everything, you know, you kind of, you don't care if you have no kind of, um, if, you, if you're not allowed to, you know, do your own thing or whatever, you, you, you don't care. You're doing what you're told to do and then that's it, you know? Yeah, and there's like a, always a, I guess with this new health care law and all that, there's even more stuff that's put on business owners to have to deal with. And, uh, yeah, it's it's just a bunch of uh, um, just constant having to, to to tend to that stuff. And then and I'm, I'm sure doctors are pretty much slammed with all this kind of stuff, this, the, all these different paperwork concerns and all this other stuff and uh, stuff that they have to do that's, that's beyond uh, just de- you know dealing with patients and stuff like that so yeah it's 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 not a good situation for for the people who are the patients and it's not a good situation for the people who are you know trying to be a doctor you know it's it's yeah. a lot of a lot of cases it's just this kind of it's just this system you know that just wants to get you through and out the other side you know and uh um, right yeah, who benefits, you know? What, what is the reason for all this stuff? What is the reason for, um, you know, companies not being able to profit off of their own um, intuition, their own regulations, you know? Um, I think that there's there's more of a nefarious uh, reason behind that. I don't think that it's just, you know, simply to keep people safe, you know what I'm saying? Um, nobody's what is anything it? off. If you think about it, like what is okay the Uber thing? I understand that is like it's, it's, it's like an app, and it kind of um, it kind of it connects you with people who are kind of running their own personal cab with their own private vehicle, right? Yeah, that's a no. You own your own business. Yeah. But then it's the way that it it that it can be interpreted is like why would there have to be any law regulating it when basically. It's just an agreement between you and somebody to give them a ride in your car, which you have a total right to do whatever you want to do with, right? You could take, you know, your, you, your yeah, your your stuff is paid up or whatever. You you you're legal to drive on the road. I can give anybody a ride whenever I want. I can pick up hitchhikers. I can do whatever on the road. Somebody say, hey, yeah. you give me a ride to the store. Yeah, I give you a ride to the store. Whatever. Uh, yeah. Here's some money for gas or whatever. That 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 goes on a million times a day all over the country, and and then having um, an app that facilitates that and all that stuff is 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 just kind of a, a a way to organize that kind of very thing that happens sort of organically and spontaneously, and then all and then so that the uh, the government or whatever comes in and just redefines that and say oh well that that's now a business and then that. That that is going to have to be you know regulated to to the nth degree and uh, but you know really that you know it's just it's just people engaging in commerce which they do naturally anyway and then you know so that's 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 what you end up with when you end up with this uh, this the so-called government you know it's like it, it it's just this um, racket that that's got its hands and everything like you you can't do anything without them being involved in it and that's and then you know absolutely not yeah what's on trial is the organization of commerce essentially you know um anytime that you're organized and especially if you're going to use the internet for that i think if they're going to come up with some kind of uh regulation for you 
Um, you can't you can't make money um, selling lemonade off of a lemonade stand without some kind of regulatory um, uh, government coming in and trying to tell mm-hmm. you how to operate your business essentially, and you know what I mean, making you buy. I mean, like I said, you're, you have to buy a permit now to cut down a tree on your own property. I mean, what is that going to do for anything? I mean, you yeah. have to buy the permit. You're not going to a class to learn how to cut down a tree. You are simply giving them a tree, literally, to cut down a tree. You're giving them pieces of a tree to cut down a tree, you know, and, and then that's it. Now it's okay that you gave them money to cut that down. Now it's okay. So it doesn't make any sense at all. There's no reason behind it at all. And it's simply the only reason that there is is to basically control and regulate you. That's that's the only yeah. reason. You can't explain it any other way, you know. So I guess if you get caught cutting down a tree without a permit, they can then have a, an excuse to go up on your property and get up all in your business, and then you know give you a fine, well, make money off of that. And, uh, yeah, well, unfortunately, just to apply to cut down the tree, they have access to your property, you know. And so I think oh, that's really? part of yeah. Part of the deal too is that they just want total access to your property too. I mean, oh, Chris, yeah. Chris cut down a tree right now. You know, I mean that's how that's how we need to be. Nobody should apply for a permit. I wish I wish I owned property and I wish I had a tree to cut down because you know I would just raise hell about this. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't I think that um, I think that these. New laws are kind of, uh, te- I mean, they're, like they're talking about making hoodies out here illegal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they're, they're doing that in Oklahoma too. So when did they start that? Just recently? Yeah, they're doing the same thing in Oklahoma. Which, I mean, that's yeah. okay. Like, okay, so this is happening at the same time. And, you know, you've right. got to look at the coordination of all this stuff. It's like, oh, so Oregon's, right. Oregon's trying to pass a law, Oklahoma's passing the law. Um, where, okay, there's there's some some meeting point somewhere. And you can deny conspiracy all you want, but that that doesn't happen spontaneously. Like two governors don't get spontaneous ideas in their head, at the, or legislatures, or whoever's proposing it. Like some guy here's uh, a member of the the Oklahoma Senate, I guess, and he's gonna try to he's gonna put a propose a bill to outlaw hoodies. At the same time, they're doing it in Oregon, and at the same time, all these other laws are going in that are are very very similar. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're already under some sort of like a multinational governing body, obviously. I mean, that's so painfully obvious, but, you know, people are in denial about that. But, um, so yeah, what are you going to vote? What are you going to do when you vote? Uh, you, you're not going to vote any of those, uh, multi, those multinational governing bodies out because they weren't elected to begin with. But, um, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna get harassed if you're wearing a hoodie. Is what's gonna happen if they decide they're gonna, you know, outlaw hoodies. What 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 other reason could there be to do that other than to have another inroad into um, invitation for the for the police to harass you? Now, what what it seems like what they're doing with all this stuff to me, it's, it seems obvious that they're really busy. Trying to create this this condition of this this divide and conquer between the average person and these people that are designated as police or cops. This this stuff is 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 geared, custom crafted to do this. You know, to make make people at odds with the cops. You know, to get you know, because who who generally wears hoodies? Like you know, younger people. You know. Um, 
that's that's how I see that that's who I see wearing hoodies. Like it's generally like younger people, right? Like in their you know teens or twenties, you know, that are the wear the hoodies. That's kind of the, Oh, yeah. sorry, it's raining. sorry, it's raining outside. Yeah, yeah. Don't wear, don't put your hood. Sorry, up. It's sorry, it's cold out here. I mean, we live in Oregon. You know, they're saying, oh, maybe there's exceptions with the weather and whatnot. You know, <laughs> something That's that just... you know. Are you kidding me? That is ridiculous. And that okay. is something that let's say you're you're you got a uh, uh, a jacket that's got a hood on it. Is that a hoodie? Is they have a, like a very specific definition yep. of what a hoodie is? Because a lot of jackets yep. have hoods in the collar, it, built into the collar. Yes. Yeah, so is it is it a hat that's also illegal too? You know, I feel like this is kind of a encroachment of the you know what we probably don't know about, or aren't we aren't probably aware of is the facial recognition things. You know what I mean? They don't want to hear interfering with that and whatnot, and, um, you know, they know that people wear hoodies all the time. They know that crime, there is no crime. People are scared of the system. People are scared to commit crimes, you know what I'm saying? That's why there's people people who um, are mentally stable um, and and who are um, inherently, um, we've been bred to be afraid of the system, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're not out there committing crimes. We're having a hard time with really... Breeding a whole culture and population, I think that's kind of what they've done to the black culture and population with the music and whatnot and uh, multiple things. They have to breed violence, essentially. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. In a culture where, in a culture where you know you're saying that if you're if you defy the rules, then you know what I mean. This and such and such is going to happen to you. You know. Um, and then when they come out with their, I think that it's kind of a, a, a double dagger when they come out with their police. Uh, dramas and everything on TV showing how powerful they are and, you know what I mean, and they also show what's going to happen to you, and I think that people are scared of that, and they don't want, people want to follow the rules. People want to be good, you know what I'm saying? And so they have a hard time making people break the rules, and so um, and even as they're continuing to make rules, it's not, they're not going to, they're not going to start slashing laws off the docket, you know what I'm saying? They're just going to continue to make them, and so they're just going to get crazier and more absurd and and more insane and more unnecessary because that's all they're going to do. They're just going to create laws every year, and they're just going to become more basically unnecessary. And we have to uh, defy that, you know. Like they need to start taking steps backwards, and they need to start knocking laws off, and um, you know, destroying laws essentially instead of making them. But I mean, I think yeah. that there's this business in um, making permits and to banning things, and then into you know making laws against things. And to tell you the truth, Chris, you know, I've thought about doing, like, skits, um, you know, like, little things. I was talking to somebody. This is what I was talking to people about. So I was telling them that there was a law that they were getting. I called it the um, public picnic law, basically. And mm-hmm. I said, you know, no more public eating. You can't eat out in public anymore. And if you want to eat out in public, like a fast food restaurant or anything, you want to eat out in public, you have to get a, you have to get a public eating permit. A public eating permit. Uh huh. You know, Where did you hear this? Um, I'm just, I just kind of made it up. Oh yeah. Um, You're gonna yeah, get a petition together yeah, public, to like try to, pe- yeah, okay. Yeah, you know, you need to get your public eating permit, and everybody gets a state mandated picnic blanket. Yeah. If you want to eat outside um, or eat in public, basically, you need to lay out your state mandated picnic blanket, and you can mm-hmm. eat your essentials there. And you need to discard your. Um, 
your garbage into into a, a you know a state mandated garbage can because what this is going to do is it's going to save money um, for the state. We're going to we're tackling we're, we're tackling littering essentially, and we're going to save millions of dollars every year uh, by by you know taking away the uh, options of people littering. And the permits only fifteen dollars a year. You know, mm-hmm. you buy your yeah. food in, you get get a blanket and. Um, and then you're good to go. You can eat in public, you know. Um, and you can oh, yeah. you carry around a little trash bag with you also so that you can discard your your um, any food that you eat on the road or outside. You can discard it into your trash bag. Um, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's so when I'm telling people about that and I kind of, you know, did the whole spiel with her, people are like, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good idea. You know, like, well, really, people think that's real. You know what I'm saying? And that's how ridiculous things are today is because, you know, like, if you think that that's a real thing, then like that just shows how ridiculous and how out of control uh, regulations are today. You know what I'm saying? And I mean that. Mm-hmm. Hope that I don't start a whole fucking thing off that where people are, you know what I mean, rallying for public eating permits and stuff like that. Because I mean, you know, people uh, are into yeah. that stuff. Yeah, it's just. Um, get- yeah, it's just. It seems like a way that um, you know, because there's only so many policy enforcers or police that that can exist at any one time right i mean it's limited and um if you really think about okay how how much how much uh how much ability do they have actually to to enforce laws and actually do anything about like if a law is being broken i mean unless they happen to be there and witness it they're not going to be there to do anything about it or issue a citation or whatever so they're really limited at what they could actually actually do. Um, but what they can do is, like, if there's enough laws out there on the books, it, it gives them an excuse, like, to pull anybody over or to question anybody at any time that they feel like doing it. So they, you know, they're doing that in New York City. They've already they've already have this uh, stop and frisk clause and stuff there, and. Um, I was listening to this one one thing was this former cop in New York City who was talking about how they would just regularly just harass people. I mean, just for they had there was so many things like for instance he gave this example there was this kid that was sitting on a flight of steps and then his watch captain like uh, he was in training and he says like um, yeah you need to issue a summons to that kid right there and so. Um, so he, he so he's like why you know what what it's like um um blocking blocking uh, obstructing a passageway there's a law like you can't obstruct and he says well you know the kid's sitting to the side of the steps he's like yeah no, that's good go go issue him so they you know he, he writes them a citation for that and and they said that that's they were just constantly busy all day doing that kind of stuff and the whole idea behind it was well you know if the police are out there you know, continually harassing, you know, just everybody that they come across, that's going to theoretically prevent bigger crimes from happening just by having a police presence out there. Um, that That's the idea behind it. So, you know, I believe they've gotten themselves to a point where, because um, what, what really happens or what ended up happening is you have, 
like all these people in the inner cities and all these big cities stuff that are uh, especially like New York and stuff that hate freaking cops. They just hate cops because they're you know you can't go anywhere. Oh, there's a freaking cop. Oh, oh shit. Okay, I oh he's checking my hoodie. Okay, oh man, again. I, okay, you're stopping me again. Like yeah, they just constantly harass you. Um, so it, it it is is to create this climate of people hating the cops, the cops hating their job, hating people, and and um, where you get this, uh, which I think they 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 even had to um, uh, concoct this this scenario where these two cops get shot in the head. I don't I don't I don't know if that even really happened. There was a drill going on at the same time, so it's probably a, a fake event or whatever, but. Whether whether it was fake or not, it was done for the purpose to create this climate, and um, and this stuff is these these cultural movements start in these big cities, and they and they transgress out into the the the, the larger um, you know uh, United States and everything, or the continent or whatever what have you. Um, but you know when you when you see stuff happening in L.A., you see stuff happening in New York. You know that it's going to trickle out into the rest of the the cities and stuff, you know, and that's what you see happening. It's just that these these cops are told to go out there and just harass people, and they do it, you know, because that's their job, you know. And then they have this kind of vague philosophy behind it. Oh, this is going to somehow prevent crime, and uh, yeah, there there is this this definitely this police state environment form formulating. To where you have uh, just this, you know, general harassment that goes on, and I've been on the receiving end of it myself around here. I've been, I've, I've been, I've had more tickets here than I've ever had in my whole life, and I don't know if it's just Lawton or if it's something that's like happening as a result of just some police policy that's been implemented, and this is something that's nationwide or. Or what it is, but uh, you know, I haven't had a ticket recently. But I mean, just trivial stuff—stuff stuff that didn't amount to anything. And um, the, you know, the, these police that are you know uh, writing you up and citing you, and then you got to go to court and you got to do all this other bullcrap. And and and, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's the the police state forming, I guess. You know, and at the same time, they're getting militarized and. Uh, yeah, so it definitely seems like it's happening. I mean, uh, yeah, this this yeah. An, animosity that's building between between people and and the and the this perceived and the authority. Yeah, yeah, and they're that, trying to be those those getting, yeah. even more though, and, even more though, and more irrational shit too. Right, and and even though those are the same people who you wouldn't want to be locked in the bathroom with them while they're doing a number two, you know what I'm saying? That's the way I think of everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't care who you are. Like, when I'm when we're going number two, nobody wants to be in the bathroom with us. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, they're just like us. They're the same people. Um, they're, you know, when they're out of their uniform, they're the exact same people as us. You know, they're going through the same struggles as us. Um, you know, they think about the same things as us. Most likely, you're saying they they have the same problems that we have, you know. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know, and and I think that um, um, the whole uh, what what were you saying? You were saying something about um, damn it, not not I lost myself because I'm over here messing with these mushrooms. Um, 
You were saying something about the the police being separated from the public and whatnot, or or they're breeding that, you were saying? Yeah, it seems that way. It seems that there's just this... There's just this... uh, well, I mean, it's happening through the media, you know. I mean, this this whole yeah. this, this stuff that's happening with these, um, you know, oh, and they're making them making us giving making, making ridiculous laws, giving them ridiculous reasons to you know inter, interact with us and intervene in our our situations, our daily lives, and then we have some kind of we develop some to- sort of disdain towards them because you know it, when they're hiring more people, they don't have anything else to do, really, because, you know, again, like I say, I'm 26 years old. I've never had to call the police in my entire life. You know what I'm saying? Really? Yeah. Um, and and so, you know, they really don't have anything to do. And, I mean, if they're continuing to hire police officers, I mean, what else are they going to do instead of intervening and, you know, uh, uh, ridiculous and basically r- really uh, minor situations? I mean, those are the only things mm-hmm. that they can spot. You can't spot huge crimes, huge major crimes aren't happening out in the open, you know what I'm saying? So they can only be there after the fact, you know? And so the only way that they legitimize themselves is by intervening in minor situations or or something that has to do with drugs. And, I mean, again, that's why drugs are illegal, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why they exist in general is just to have this this kind of um, uh, uh, entity that's hoarding down on us constantly because um, 90%, I'm pretty sure like 90% of the crimes that exist are probably because of drugs and then the other 10% is probably because of some kind of passion or something, you know what I'm saying? I don't think that, um, I think that if if drugs were uh, legalized or eliminated all in general, I don't think that there would be a a lot of crime at all. And so, I mean, the legitimacy of the um, police force and the FBI and DEA and all this stuff, it's really, they, it's really up to them to legitimize themselves, and I think that's the reason why they come out with all these TV shows and documentaries about them, is to make them seem like we really need them, you know? Mm. They, they, they put a lot of stuff out there like, oh, now we need you. Like, oh, you, nobody, nobody, you know, nobody could solve the crime except for the FBI or the forensics that we, you know what I'm saying, forensic files and stuff like that. CSI they really, that, yeah. Yeah, they really try and make it seem like we need them and, like, thank God that they're here or else this person will be out on the streets or that person or whatever. And uh, I, I think it's just too obvious. You know, so anytime somebody's giving the thumbs up to somebody else, like, over and over and over again, it just seems it seems really suspicious to me. And, um, yeah. Chris, what do you think about the, um, the, is it the Zoker? The Zoker, Kasnavar, Kasnaviv? Been talking about them coming out with his or going through their jury pickings or whatever they're picking their jury members or whatever for his trial. I don't think there's going to be a trial personally. What do you think? Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There may or may not be a trial, but um, I don't know what that even means. I mean, I don't even know what uh, some kind of a show trial, some kind of a theater. Um, and they're, and they're supposed to have a trial for this, uh, the guy that, uh, the Aurora theater shooting guy and all that. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 it's more, whatever is going to outcome is going to serve the agenda. It's going to serve the system. It's going to, it's going to prop up whatever mythology that they're, that's been, been being constructed around all of this stuff. 
I, I, I'm, I'm certain of that. There's nothing that falls out of any any kind of uh, interpretation that's what, what's already already been given to us about all this stuff. You know what I mean? There's there's not going to be any surprises. In other words, it, it's going to fall right oh, in no. line like it always does. And, oh uh, yeah, and it's already and it already is with the delaying of the trials and whatnot. Um, I'm super suspicious of these trials and everything that are going on. I've kind of gotten into a habit of looking at people who are in the federal system of corrections and people who are in the you know state. Uh, facilities, prisons, and penitentiaries um, supposed to be, you know, giving pittance to the state or whatnot. Um, mm. And I, the only person that I cannot find, suspiciously, in the Federal Bureau of Corrections is the Joker Kazlovar. And I, I, I can't get online right now, but, you know, I mean, if you wanted to double confirm this, you know, I, I look up, he's supposed to be in, um, I can't remember what... Uh, Federal federal penitentiary or prison mm-hmm. you're supposed to be in, that um, you know he does not show up. And you know mm-hmm. they, yeah. I went into the I was going to send you a link to what they said to me if I couldn't find somebody. You know, basically they said maybe you're spelling their name wrong, maybe they've been released from the system, or they're just not locked up. You know, what I'm saying basically and call the summer and I'm trying to figure out how to. I'm, I'm going to call eventually and maybe record that call and see what they have to say. You know. Um, but also I've looked up the Aurora Theater shooting, um, this guy here, and the only suspicious thing, I mean, at least he's in the um, inmate list for where he's supposed to be currently, but the oh, only suspicious really? thing to me is he's only charged with one count of murder. Murder, one count, that's it. And what? from what I've looked up, when you're charged with something, mm-hmm. they list all the charges. You know what I'm saying? If he's charged with murder, and he's charged with 12 counts of murder, it's going to be 12 murders. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. 12 counts. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you're charged with attempted murder, you're going to be charged with 100 counts of attempted murder, and they're going to run, they're going to log all that in there. You know what I'm saying? And he is not logged in except for anything except for murder. One count of murder, and that's it. So that's just yeah. Any, anytime I've ever seen anything online like that, they 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 have a whole listing of everything on there. A whole list. Like, yeah. Every charge they're accusing you of, and and only mm-hmm. one count of murder. So at least he's in the system, but only that's very suspicious to me. Um, and the Zogar Tazmavar is not in the system at all whatsoever, and I've looked up wow. hundreds of people, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. so you can go ahead and look that up in the, I think they call it the FDC or Federal Department of Corrections, you know what I'm saying? Look him up. I've double-checked his name, you know what I'm saying? Um, I should probably do it again, and maybe I switched the last name and first name or whatever, but, I mean, that's kind of a big deal, you know. That's actually kind of a huge deal since... I've looked up so many people who are said to be in these this center, you know, saying this department, and then they are actually there with a you know FDT number with a correct you know inmate number. Um, he does not have one. So. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. And and then the departments that a lot of these um, a lot of these high profile cases are you talk about trying to figure out how the system works and everything. A lot of these people who are in these high-profile cases that are on the news and such are sent to administrative federal facilities. Um, and, I, you know, I, there's just something about that. I kind of tried to do some research and I'm still looking into it about what this whole administrative facility stuff is about, you know what I'm saying? Like there's federal penitentiaries and federal correction centers and state penitentiaries, you know what I'm saying, and there's administrative 
federal penitentiary sentencing, and um, they house all kinds of uh, all kinds of security uh, people, I guess, inmates. You know, say maximum, minimum, and medium security inmates. Basically, they house them all, and um, you know, medical inmates and stuff like that. Um, but uh, yeah, when you you know, I start to look, I try and look into where these high-profile cases, the people who survive them, allegedly, you know, where they're sent to, and you know, what the going's on there. But I mean, you got to know that these corrections facilities and these penitentiaries are so corrupt. I mean, they're so corrupt to the core to where you don't, you won't even know about it because they don't even let the stuff out. You know what I'm saying? You can't even look up how corrupt they are. You can't find, uh, you know, an article about it. It stuff yeah. is swept the rug so much. I mean, that's how bad it is. You know that. I mean, they show, you know, pictures of bongs and, you know, there's thousands of cell phones on, you know, in prison and stuff like that. There is no, nobody's taking a bong or a cell phone up their ass. You know what I'm saying? These things are brought in by the correctional officers and, you know, the people who are running that facility. And so you know that just by that, like, those facilities are corrupt to the absolute core and you cannot mm. find anything on those things. You can't find, you cannot, you can barely find any article on correctional officers being fired, you know? Um, oh, yeah. And so that just tells you, you know, I mean, can you imagine the federal administrative facilities? I mean, they are just it's a total lockdown of information. You oh, know? Yeah. Yeah, it yeah, probably could be all kinds of stuff going on that, uh, yeah, the average person's not going to ever hear mention about inside those institutions. Who's going to be able to get access into these places and do any kind of, like, reporting what's going on? They had a woman recently here died in her cell at the jail downtown and uh and then they there was people in jail that when they when they got processed out and everything they said yeah she was um uh being tasered repeatedly and then she and then that's you know they they said she died of a heart attack or something like that and then the the jail guard and stuff you know the last thing i heard about it you know they're absolutely in total denial that you know that they ever tasered her in in the cell and uh um then there's nothing else in the paper about it. There's just nothing else that I that I that I'm aware of that ever came out about you know what kind of an investigation was done or something like that. Yeah, I, I've I've told about you know how I was uh, in jail down here and uh, they put me in a cell and then the guy that was in the cell with me he's he's saying oh yeah there there was a guy that died right there last night and I said oh yeah really oh that's that's cruel that's that's something else I mean it. it had literally right there on the floor died uh from alcohol withdrawal like the dts like if you you know so he he was picked up for drunkenness and then died right there in the cell so it happens all the time and nobody hears anything about it but there's a couple of callers that that are 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 y'all there guy jr in oregon looks like yeah i'm here mccover jr hey what's going on not much. Just joining in, see what you guys are talking about, see what this is all about. Uh, some good talk so far. Yeah, thanks, man. Where where uh, whereabouts are you calling from? Uh, right about Southern California. Ah, okay. Yeah, so uh, around uh, Orange County area. No, San Bernardino County area. Oh, all right, cool. Uh, yeah. So this is the first time you listened to. Uh, to the uh, hoaxbusters call here. 
Yeah, it is. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, glad to have you. Um, yeah, I was just I'm probably gonna um, wrap it up here in a few minutes. I, you know, I'm kind of been going on about the same subject for a while. I just wonder if you uh, you got anything you want to add or. Uh, no, everybody's pretty much got it hit right on the head as far as, you know, we really don't know what goes on behind the doors um, in a lot of these facilities. Um, oh, my God. It, it, would be hard, it would be hard for me to say that, that we ever will. Um, yep. No. You know, they, yep, they, they talk about the, uh, the, the transparency um, and all this stuff, but in reality, I don't think we'll ever see that unless it comes to, you know, it, I really don't think we'll ever see a transparency uh, in that, and we never will yeah. know what happens behind the doors. Why would they? And why would they? Because the same people who are watching these alleged or so-called criminals or whatever who are in there for drugs and mostly drug-related crimes, you know, mostly, um, the corrections officers are involved in the same uh, kind of activity with them, you know? And so there's no – they would never let the – they would never let that out um, the corrections officer is just as corrupt as the inmates because then essentially the system has, there's no point to it, you know what I'm saying? People overdosing in prison, people getting guns in prison and drinking canned beer, you know what I'm saying? Canned beer. They cannot stop, they cannot stop the uh, so-called crimes and stuff. Um, and they're actually, um, they're manufacturing the crimes and stuff themselves in prison. So they'll net in jails and stuff. They will never let that information out because it would just show us that there's no point, there's no legitimacy whatsoever in these uh, penitentiaries and jails and whatnot. You know, I think that at the beginning of them jailing people and locking people up, that wasn't even the, um, that wasn't the point. When jails started and everything, I think that it was just like a holding center. They held people in, you know, open room facilities until they were um, tried in court, and then they found out what their real um, judgment was, you know. What the, what the real sentence was. You, ne- you were never sentenced to spend time in a sale. You know what I'm saying? That's something new. That's something that just came up in, like, the 1900s. And so um, I think that, uh, you know, that's just uh, another way to, again, basically take over slavery and stuff like that and, you know, um, have a constant slave-based uh, population that's ready to work for the state and manufacture goods for the state. For no pay at all, and then and then they use these prisoners to manufacture goods during wars and stuff for no pay at all. You know, and I think that um, I think that I think that a lot of countries they I think that so they say that America has the largest inmate population or whatnot in the world, and I think that America is also probably involved in the most wars in the world, and so I think that they're using the inmate population and everything to. Um, manufactured goods and can work for the state so they can wage war with other countries and whatnot. Well, well, to go on to, you know, you do have a point. You have a very valid point there as far as, uh, you know, there's two sides of the coin. You know, the guards are probably just as, as crooked as the people coming into the place, but the only way to eradicate on either side of that coin um, would be to infringe on on rights, and that would be your your Fourth Amendment right. And you know, you walk into the place, whether you're a guard, whether you're an administrator, whether you're an inmate, and immediately before you put your uniform on, you take your street clothes off, 
you go through an x-ray machine, you put your uniform on. That's the only way to really eradicate it. But then you open up all kinds of litigation into rights, not just for the for the uh, corrections officers, but for the inmates as well. Because you're gonna you're gonna go both ways on that. Say, Absolutely. okay, everybody's got to strip down. Everybody's got to get naked. You got to go through this machine. So everybody, you know, and then who's running the machine? Right. Yeah. I think that's kind of the um, that might be the. You know the kettle point for them, basically. You know, uh, but I don't think that they're really using that. Though I don't think that they're really, I don't, I don't think that they're really coming down hard on guards and corrections officers in prisons and stuff like that who are involved in corruption. Um, I think that they want it to continue um, rather than um, take away their rights. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I think that for sure, like they definitely. I think that there was a where they said that the guards weren't allowed to bring in their lunches anymore. They're not allowed to bring in sack lunches or, you know, homemade lunches anymore because of the uh, smuggling and stuff, you know. So that's another way that they're encroaching even on the officers, you know, on their rights. And so, um, I mean, right. as far as food, like, isn't food an inherent right to be able to eat? And if you're going to lock me up in a cell and have and I have no access to food or to get it or anything, like, give me food then, Right. And, you know, one thing that really unnerves me is hearing about these neutral loaves is what they call it, you know what I'm saying, um, bread and water for six days a week, you know, except for Sunday or whatever, you know, sometimes seven days a week. But, you know, uh, uh, mixture, you know, what do they They just, like, basically blend up a bunch of stuff that they had for the day and then bake it in a piece of bread and give you water and that's what you get for breakfast, lunch, and dinner six well, days a week. The, the Nutra bars are more than that, um, but I do I do completely understand what you're saying. And yeah, you, you know, you're, a basic human need is food. A basic human need is water. Um, and by telling you know even even on the we'll just take the guards side um, on this point is if you were to tell the guards, okay, you can't bring your lunch, you know, the first thing out of their mouth is going to be, well, what do I do for food? The thing that the overhead big wigs are going to say is we'll provide it for you now what that is could be anybody's guess but on the same token they're covering the basic need of okay we've got to feed you but you're not bringing your own food in so they're covering their, themselves there and same on the other side we're going to give them options too i assume and 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 also the guards do not have to be there they have the option of not being there the inmates don't you know and and i don't think that the neutral rope is anything more than what they say it is the piece of bread with water, and I don't think that that's, I don't think that there's any reason to do that other than to torture the enemy. I don't think that there's there's no other reason to do that. And I think that they they specifically in the um, you know Supreme Court you know ruled against uh, un, unnecessary punishment you know for inmates and stuff like that. And I think that that's one of them. But they just continuously find ways around those things, you know. Right, and they and they always will. Oh, yeah. You know, on, on, on both sides, they always will. The the lawmakers will find a way around it. Those that uh, try to undermine the law will find their ways around it. It's it's just a never-ending cycle. But what do you what do you think about uh, people being locked up for crimes in general? Just just speaking about how um, jails obviously they didn't have you know jails and prisons in the 1800s and stuff because that wasn't a sentence for any sort of crime or anything. I don't even think that they had the court system back then, but now here in the 1900s, you know, you commit a crime and you're actually sentenced to a small room in a cell and that's actually your punishment. 
is um, the serving time. I mean, that's actually kind of a, um, apparently, that's some kind of, uh, you know, new theory. It, well, yeah, for the 1900s and to the present, it, it, it's, it does seem to be the, the new theory. However, if you look at um, early history, you, up, up until they, they decided to build jails and, and hold people accountable, what were the options um, afforded to people for committing a crime, say theft? Um, and that's, that's like the most minuscule thing you could possibly do um, to anybody anywhere is, is take something that doesn't belong to you. Um, a lot of times their punishment was cutting off of a finger, if you're lucky, or cutting off of your hand. Okay, right. You know, and right. And and with the way the system is now, um, you know, okay, you spend a couple of days, mostly, from what I understand, most of the time overnight. If you're if you're, you know, lucky, it's only overnight, and you're Perfect. and you're out. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think that um, obviously those consequences are too steep for stealing something and cutting finger. But then at the same right. time, we talk about the recidivism. Recidivism is that the word of of, mm-hmm. of the of the system? Um, I think that a good old beat down from the neighborhood. And again, if we didn't have police officers and we didn't have people who were um, who we called Big Daddy and who were our go-to mob members, basically, that we could call at any moment of time and assume they were going to show up. I think that people would take into their own hands things that happen to them. And I don't think that people, you know, if, I really think that, you know, pedophiles and um, thieves and stuff like that, I really think a couple good beatdowns for the hardcore people would solve the situation. I really I really do believe in that, you know. And, um, and, and I will and, not I will not disagree with you for a second on that. Yeah, and, you know, and the thing, yeah, there's no way to regulate that. You know, what if they kill them? You know what I'm saying? And that's right. the thing. I think it's a fear of the public. The fear of social uh, social revival is uh, uh, more intimidating than it is than the system is, you know? And um, no matter what they do, you know, the death penalty doesn't, doesn't curve murder rates or anything, you know what I'm saying? But I think that if there was an, an immediate response to you, raping a little girl or beating someone or doing something like that, I think that, um, you know, people will be more cautious in in what they do. And to be honest with you, you know, I guess when people are caught is what you're saying is, you know, what happens to them and whatnot. Um, God, I, I just don't have the answer to that, you know. Um, maybe, right. if somebody, the, maybe if somebody wants to lock them up, you know, I was going through this in my head the other day, like, you know, maybe we should all have, you know, cells built in our in, into our house, or we could like house the people who were locked up for committing crimes against us. I mean, I don't know. You know, make them work for us and benefit us. But what they're doing is they're working for the state, and I think that um, you know the state is kind of is using us to just like um, what, what do you call it? Is it you you violate an order of protection, which is a um, you you go and get a uh, when someone's harassing. What do they call that? Restraining order? Yeah, restraining order. So you violate a restraining order, and what happens when you violate that is you actually, in Oregon, you pay $7,500 to the state, and then you go to jail for the weekend or the week or whatever, you know? It's like, how is that benefiting that person? Of course the state wants to intervene on a person violating an order of protection that you feel filed for them because they get $7,500, you know? And it's just kind of, it just seems really corrupt, you know, in in it's uh it's like the state is like the mob, basically. They are the mob. 
they extort you, and they use you, they tax the, you. They, you know. Yeah, the, and and the biggest solution to that is somebody coming up with a better way. That's that's the biggest biggest solution to the problem. And the other the other half of that problem is who's going to be the one to, um, you know, have have enough um, behind them to say, okay, I'm standing up for this. Here's here's another way, and here's all the ways that it can incorporate what you do now, but make it better. And for that person to stand up and be able to do that would take an enormous amount of courage, which. Uh, so far, we haven't seen, but we also haven't we also haven't had anybody that's had a better way yet. Or the opportunity to do that, you know what I mean? That would actually benefit, that would feel like they're uh, benefiting the, the general population in that way. I think that it would be essentially a suicide, and you would have to understand that you're sacrificing yourself um, and believing that other people will step up and, you know what I mean, um, jump onto. Uh, you know, use your momentum to to do what's right, but I don't think the people were given the opportunity to that. And I question you: Do you think that um, finding a new way is is? Do you have to have a way to destroy the old way? Like you know what I'm saying? If, if something is inherently wrong and not right, do I have to come up with a new way to perform this act or do this before I abandon what's going on? Do you know what I'm saying? Like um, or can I just say that this is not right and, you know, we are not going to do this and, you know, it doesn't matter how long it takes for us to come up with a new way, you know, this is not going to happen any longer. Right, and that we we know we know that that's not going to happen and it's not going to be, a, okay, we're done with doing it this way until we come up with a new way. But, no, but it's going to... Right, it's just going to take somebody create the new way and then saying, okay, let's look at what's going on now How's it going to work with this way? Hey, look, okay, here's the crossroads, and here's how this way is going to get a benefit not only society but benefit, you know, whether it be the county, the city, the state, you know, the country. But it's just, it's not just going to benefit the state. Here's how it's going to benefit the general public. It's going to benefit by, you know, let's take your your example in Oregon with the uh, restraining order violation. $7,500 goes to the state. Okay, no, not anymore. Okay. And X, X amount of, of that money goes to the state, but X amount of money goes to um, the uh, uh, veterans or to the homeless, and X amount goes to the victim to compensate for, quote-unquote, you know, their, their pain and suffering. But who's going to regulate that? Because it's not going to be able to be the state to regulate that. Because the state's going to say, "Oh no, 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 we get all seventy-five hundred. You know, it's not going to be, you know, say the Veterans Administration. Oh no, 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 we're going to get, you know, we're going to get half at least. You know, so you've got to have either a, a system or a mechanism um, that takes control of that and oversees that and does not side one way or the other. Which, of course, we know is going to be hard to find. Yeah, I guess it just it should just be state law that you know every family should have two boys, one girl, and basically the boys go and uh, you know they're the muscle for the whole family, and they just you know destroy uh, any entity that is in their way. You know, I don't <laughs> see any other way to work that. Basically, it's so hard. It is really complicated when you're trying to involve regulations and you know people. Um, 
lording over you. I mean, how do you, who's lording over them, you know? And it's just an, it's an ongoing process. It's like, uh, it just kind of seems like a setup. And it's like, how about you just don't come into my house and, like, I just don't come into yours? I don't understand why that's so hard, you know? Um, you have, and, because you have people out there that don't, that have an altered view of reality. They don't believe right. that nothing is not theirs. They believe that whatever I want is mine, and that's and, just their way of thinking. Right, and then that's why, you know, basically laws don't work anyway, because anybody that's committing a crime believes that they're not going to get caught. It's kind of, you know, people just kind of think that, you know, lightning strikes here, lightning strikes there, but it never strikes me. You know what I'm saying? Um, everybody is immune to, you know, any kind of law that's uh, enacted upon the population. Um so I think that that's kind of a, it's hard to enforce things when people don't, people don't feel like any kind of, um, any kind of consequence is going to come upon them, you know? And I think that if consequences were, uh, well, that's kind of the, I think that's kind of the, uh, the position that the state takes. People, they think that if consequences were shown upon the people, that people would be, um, you know, moved into just, doing the street and, and doing good basically and actually i think that that works you know because when you see it the situations that people get into a lot of people do not resort to crime to try and you know pull their situ their financial situation and stuff you know what I'm saying? people are really scared to like chris was saying drive without tags and drive without a license and stuff people are serious about that stuff you know what i'm saying like really um uh it's really like imaginary um lines and people are really like they follow those. They follow those rules, and they do not step over those lines, you know. Um, but there are some people who don't see those lines and don't recognize them, don't respect them, and I think that they can be dealt with uh, physically if everybody was willing to, uh, you know, deal with people. If, if if everybody was willing to deal with, uh, you know, the situations that they have in their lives physically, I think that a lot of things would be solved. I don't, I don't think that that's good, really, but I think that you know. I think that would solve a lot of situations. Mm. Yep. Yep, that's some good thoughts. Anyway, I, I don't know what is going to be any different as long as there's uh, this this thing called, uh, you know, it's, it's a fictional belief in this thing called money, and then everybody kind of, you know, worships at the altar of... Uh, it's, it's it's an abstraction. It's not nothing that really exists in tangible reality. But I, th I think to understand it, like what it does at its core, if you look at it, um, is that it it, it takes and uh, you know the human what, what's in the what's available with human potential, like your energy, your creativity, uh, your ability to you know take something out of the ground or take something out of a, you know, a, a, a lumber from a tree or turn it into something, to, a tangible good, a serviceable good, uh, you know, uh, you know, taking sand to turn it into a silicone wafers and making a computer or whatever it is that, that people, you know, can do, which is, you know, you know, grow a crop or grow, you know, it's just, it's just human activity, and then you and then you take and you put that into this uh, abstract money concept, 
you then you're 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 taking away and you're separating uh people's uh, ability to create and produce and yeah, what they produce and they're taking and separating it from what you consume and uh oh, and at that oh, point at that point you're opening it up for all kinds of frauds all kinds of scams and so you know we can sit around and discuss you know what 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 situation would solve this that or the other problem but what what you end up with when you when cuz it, it's always going to have to involve money what you guys were just talking about is, oh, well, somebody violates a restraining order. Where should that money be distributed? Well, in this system, wherever it's going to be distributed, it's probably not going to help a veteran. It's probably not going to help a homeless person because that's not the way these institutions are set up. They're not set up to help the, the, the people who are supposedly the benefactors of these institutions. They're set up to prop up the institution itself. Because it becomes a self-reinforcing uh, system, where the last thing they want to do is solve the problem at hand. They they don't the 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 all the institutions that are set up to deal with homeless homelessness, the last thing they want to see is the homeless problem, whatever that is. It's that that's a whole other subject. But you know, the last thing that they wouldn't want to see happen is that 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 set of circumstances to be resolved through some way to solve that problem you know all these the, you know the salvation army or goodwill or uh you know united way all these different agencies the last thing they want to see is the these problems actually being resolved so you have like all these institutions that are set up who have a vested interest in seeing all these things be perpetuated f for, from now on because that that is their reason to exist you know, it's like the the police and and the war on drugs. It's like you really don't want to see an end to the war on drugs because that's going to be a big bulk of all your police work and stuff is going to be no longer necessary because you no longer have this fictitious war on drugs that is going on. And um, so, you know, you have this incentive to perpetuate the crime. So... You know they. So what is the result? The result is they don't go after the the distributors, the main hubs. You know you have the BATF. You have all this infrastructure in place to you know track phone calls, to have all this technology and stuff to go after the people who are um, at the center core of this drug, drug distribution network. Because you, you, all 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 it um, amounts to is tracking these people down, and you have all these methods, modern methods to do it. And they don't do it because once they do it, they no longer have a reason to exist. Or then there would be this pressure to at least scale down their operations. But, you know, they that that doesn't help that institution. That's that's um, detrimental to that particular institution. So that 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 is something that you're always going to have in the money system. What was the guy? Jay Gould. He was a he was a robber baron. Back in the you know, I think uh, early 1800s, and he said you can always hire one half of the poor to kill the other half of the poor. That that because sentence right there describes the money system. That's what the money system is about. You can you can always and that's then that's what we've been a part of, and that's what we can read about, and that's what we can learn about all throughout history. It's happened even to the present day. 
You got people paid. You got nowadays it's the cops and they're becoming militarized. There's a standing army inside the country that's pitted against the people at the behest of the paymasters, the people that control the the mystical dollar. They wouldn't. Do you think they'd be doing any of that shit if they weren't getting paid to do it? Fuck no, no way. So that, that I mean, as, as long as we're addicted to money, this this stuff is never going to stop. It's never going to stop. And it'll never be solved with distributing the money in a certain way. You know, that's what everybody wants to do. It's like, oh, if we could just take more money and put it into education. It's like, what are you even doing? You're 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 putting more money into a corrupt system, and the corrupt system is just going to continue to absorb it like a giant sponge. And it and it's it's not going to uh, ever resolve anything. I mean, we spend more money per child than. Uh, Probably any any country out there, but it's like that. But then the whole presumption is that uh, that's that's a desirable any a thing anyway to send off your kid to be brainwashed by uh, you know strangers, you know. So that that's all, all this stuff is is based on false assumptions and it's based on faulty premises. Yeah, money. Sorry for interrupting you too, Chris. Um, um, your money is the ultimate middleman, I guess, and um, if you control and manipulate that middleman, I mean, you essentially control the market. Um, and, you know, these prisons and the, the uh, chains that the prisoners are wearing, they're all built by prisoners, you know, and so they, the system is built on, on the backs of the people who are enslaved, you know, um, and it's all done under the guise of money. I don't think that the, even the prisoners would work. I mean, I think that, I think that another way to, um, a way to get around money and to make people work without a middleman essentially is, um, like a, uh, you know, be like a psychological, uh, you manipulate people psychologically. They'd have people work for free under the guise of, you know, being a, a patriot or, you know what I'm saying? doing something that's that's what you're saying using people's good to do bad basically use good people to you know do bad things i think there are a lot of people who who are building these chains and you know building building the prison walls around us are, are good people you know and they're being used and we're being like emotionally blackmailed into um doing certain things you know uh, i think that that's yeah. Well, it's it, I mean it it's what you always hear. You always hear it like you you know cops always say that. I'm just doing my job. Um yeah, you give me a break. I'm just doing my job. Like cuz you know people will ask like, well, you know, why the hell are you harassing me? I mean, you you you're giving me 20 questions. All I'm trying to do is drive down the street. I get pulled over at this checkpoint. And all I gotta I, now I gotta answer all these questions. Like I, I I'm not drinking. I haven't been drinking. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just trying to go out about my business. And why do I have to be subjected to this interrogation process? Ah, uh, well, I'm, I'm just doing my job. I'm doing what I'm told, and I get paid to do this, and that's why I'm doing it. Do you think there'd be anybody in their right mind, except for those cop impersonators that we're talking about, that are going to go out in the street and you know block traffic and you know it's like uh. 
And then I, I just got listen, to listening to something earlier today. They were they were talking about these protesters that went out and blocked traffic, and then uh, how how horrible that was because they were, you know, there there was somebody that you know got into an accident, and they uh, um, there was traffic backed up there, and um, that that caused them to have to be diverted to another hospital. Well, what about when they do these stupid drunk checkpoints? They got traffic backed up for miles and miles. They, they don't care nothing about that. That's fine to do that. But, um, yeah, everything's a double standard, but, you know, it's just like, okay, I'm doing my job, you know, what do you want from me? And that's, uh, that's, that's, uh, yeah, you're just always going to have that in the money system, and I don't care what you do to try to resolve it. You could try to have Bitcoin or whatever. It's just going to be another uh, facet of the, the the overlaying system. I mean, like, what... It, what are people trying to do with the the Bitcoin thing? I mean, they're trying to have an alternative money system that's not uh, so-called fiat. But they want to make money. Yeah, they want to make money, and they want to you know get you know get wealthy off of this uh, Bitcoin kind of Ponzi scheme thing. But you know, it's like you you still have the underlying premise which is wrong, which is you, you take and you and you separate people's production from their consumption and 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 yeah. then you're just going to open up a whole mess of problems that will never ever be solved through distributing the money a certain way and because that's that's what all politics and that's what all discussions are about when you talk about it it's like oh you know if we didn't spend so much money on war we could spend it on this and we could solve these problems by putting money at throwing money at it and um yeah, you always hear about that. It's like, well, that's that's what we need to be focused on doing instead of, uh, you know, blowing up other countries. We need to be putting that money into, oh, a healthcare system or, oh, a, you know, alternative energy or something like that. But it's like, um, no, I mean, the reason you have the war is because the economy is set up and structured in such a way as to, um, you know, it, it, in in some respects, you know, you have to um, funnel all of this production into some sort of a rat hole, some sort of contrivance. It, you know, it's war is, I, I guess, one of the one of the the ones that the people who are in charge are fond of, you know, and then that's what they use. Uh, but you know, the point is to to take this endeavor and to throw so much energy and and and. And then in the process, you 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 take and destroy this uh, productivity that would be that could be potentially um, enjoyed by the people who worked and built it. But that's that's not our system. And, that's uh, not allowed to be yeah. productive. That we, and yeah, um, in China, I was I saw something about them talking about how they can erect a so and so story, you know, at least fifty story tower in four days. You know what I'm saying? And we would mm-hmm. never be able to do that over here because of all the regulations that they set. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, yeah. I work construction, and I mean, they're, they're paying people $40, $50 an hour to watch, to do fire watch. You know what I'm saying? And they're making um, oh, absurd yeah. regulations to where, you know, the job that would take 10 minutes, you know, takes two days to do because of all the regulations in place. And I think that, again, yeah, it's so apparent that that's all on purpose. It's just to stagnate production and, um, you know, financial, um, 
astuteness so that it can be manipulated, basically. You, you manipulate people's production and stuff, and then you just burn it, basically, down yeah. a hole. I mean, yeah. I, think, I think that's kind of the elaboration of the scam is to have people running on a wheel 40 hours a week, everyone, you know what I'm saying? And it's constantly doing that and never gaining ahead. And um, also anything that they're doing is being destroyed and burned down the hole. I mean, that's kind of an elaborate scam, you know what I mean? It seems really mm -hmm. basic, but I think that it can be complicated when you talk about how no one can ever come up, no one can ever... Um, no one can ever get ahead, basically, you know. Yeah. It's kind it's, of, like, it's basic but elaborate at the same time. It's really interesting. It's very yeah, it's, 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 People think that it's, uh, oh, well, our system is broken or, oh, it, it's, you know, we need, you know, re they say like reform or, oh, we need to just, um, you know, have some restructuring and then we could, like, fix a lot of these societal issues and stuff like that. And so, But no, not really because... Those things like war and those make work projects and and then you have like these huge government bureaucracies and all that that are just unproductive and un, uh, that don't really actually have any t tangible benefit, perceivable benefit whatsoever other than to like pay people to kind of push, push paper around and stuff like that. that. All of that stuff is a indispensable part of our system. It, it is working exactly how it is designed to work. The the reason the the bureaucracy is its own reason for existence. That's and it's it's not productive by design. And our laws become more and more intricate, and more and more complicated as uh, a function of the system working the way it's that's the way it's designed to work. And and I don't think people ever will get that because that that is that is the money system and that's the way it, it is going to it is going to perpetuate and continue to be like that because that's the only way that the people at the at the reins or at the helm can maintain their position they can't allow people at the bottom to to actually come up to where they are and there's all kinds of mechanisms and stuff that are inherent and put in place in the system to ensure that that never happens, that that's never a possibility, and that is part of the system. That is that is an integral part of the money system, and that is always going to be that way, because you're going to always have a class of people that has is going to be that understand what money is and understand how to how to uh, manipulate and control it, and and that's the way to do it, and um, could. And, and there's the, the quote that I like to bring up that's, uh, I think Stalin is attributed to saying, it. he said, there's a thousand different ways that a, any particular society can go. But he says that our, our, our job as, you know, the rulers of the world is, is to convince people that this is the only possible outcome. It's like, yeah, everything is, you know, and then you'll hear people that will say that, well, that, you know, that, that's just the way it is. But, it's not just the way it is. The reason why the things are the way they are is by some very specific, concerted effort by a, a select elite group of people that have understanding of how like money works, how human psychology works, how um, they could put a standing army among the people and get the people to accept it 
because they perceive it as being there for their benefit, for their safety. And they'll even we even go as far as to call these people public servants, which there's nothing could be further from the truth. And they never act in that capacity. They always act as they're the boss um, because that they are the boss. Because really, when it comes down to it, they're the guy with the gun. And they'll shoot you if you don't do what they say. It's that simple. You know, but we've we've got this whole complicated um, uh, mythology that's set over the top of all this stuff, like this perception that there's this such thing as Constitution, Bill of Rights, and people will always appeal to this abstract concept of these laws and stuff that these people never follow. Like these cops and these judges and stuff like that, they don't they don't have their buddies and stuff. They don't they don't send them to court. They always they always have like concessions for them and uh, light sentences for them if they ever do get brought up on charges from just being completely out of control. And there's just example after example after example of this this multi-tiered system to where you know rich people get certain particular treatment and these other uh, you know officials get certain particular treatment and that's 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 another thing that's like um uh, integral part of the system that that's that's the uh that's the uh hierarchical um uh structure that's put in place that people adhere to and that's all artificial and that's uh but that's that's an important part of the system and it's all it's all it's all runoff of this thing called money, and it's it has just this endless uh, potential as a uh, um, like slavery mechanism is what it is. It's like, and then you know you get people to accept it, and then then the the sky's the limit on as far as you can manipulate the people who uh, you know subscribe to that particular religion, which is the the money system, the 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 moan eye, the one eye, the, you know, the, they give you the pyramid on the back of the bill and everything to show you that it's, it's, it's a talisman. It's a, uh, it, it's this, uh, it's this sort of, uh, thing that casts a spell over people's minds and they attribute all this, um, relevance to it when it's actually really literally a piece, piece of paper. And then it, it, Outside of people's beliefs in it, it has no benefit other than maybe like a star, fire starter material or something like that. It's just, uh, yeah. Even, even as irrelevant as, you know, a piece of paper with a, a number on it is, you know, just because they, the legitimacy that it holds in our society, that it's the end-all, be-all, I mean, mm -hmm. it is our right, in the system there is absolutely no way that you or I are ever going to be able to allow to have a um, enormous amount of money because we could actually rock the system and, you know, yeah. move people the way we wanted to move them with it, you know. And so I think that that's the essential reason as to why the money is controlled so much. It's literally, it's like a double dagger again to where it's used to control us um, and, you know, if you ever got so much of it because of how much control it has over the population, you could control them also. And so we are not allowed to um, have an enormous amount of it and um, to, you know, even be be within reach of it, basically. I think it's just what our whole lives are about is selling us hope and selling us dreams, you know. Yeah. And we're just on the rat wheel running 
and chasing this forever. And I mean, I think that once you decide to get out of that race and decide that, you know, understand that it's just a, a it's a scam and it's mm-hmm. a game that is um, set up from the beginning, um, I think that that's when you begin to start winning. I mean, but until everybody jumps off that wheel, you know, so yeah, people have to. Yeah, they have to come to the realization that they have to really, because, I mean, that is that is some that is such a central component in all of our existences right now is is money. Like, and and it's amazing how few people understand even what it is, and then how it's created. Now, I put a video up on the on the blog about the about the money money as debt. You know, money comes um, into existence from. Uh, an, ag- an agreement between you and the bank that creates um, this this situation of where indebtedness, where you're indebted to the to this um, um, this institution called a bank. And can you think of any more at a, irrelevant in the modern day institution as a bank? Because that 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 is one thing that can be um, replaced with. Uh, well, it's been obsolete at least since the uh, the invention of QuickBooks. <laughs> I mean, you could do all that on a computer. Manage manage this money thing. There's no need for banks. There's it's absolutely it's absolutely an arcane, obsolete, um, antique uh, relic that it should be should have been done away with. If if we had anything resembling what we're purported to be, like a you know uh, uh, you know a, a system that's supposed to benefit everybody, we, we would have done away with bank the banking system a long time ago. And this idea that they they can sit there and generate money out of nothing and create it out of debt, and then they and then they have um, a, a situation to where there is not enough money in the system to pay back the interest that they uh, that they put on this money and they and they do it without even lifting the without even producing or contributing anything to society at all it's 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 flabbergasting and people don't even have any awareness that this is what goes on or it's never taught in our schools it's people it's it's something that's a foreign concept to people money is debt they don't even know what that means they don't even know what money is but they but you're born into the system and it's and and you accept that just as like you accept gravity or air and it's it's just this religious belief system that you're born into and that everybody accepts because what what is the proof that it's worth something well you could take it to the store and you could buy candy you can buy uh it you give it to the man and he gives you candy and that's the first thing you learn as a kid. Oh yeah, well, what do you want? What I I want candy. I want soda pop. One of the, oh well, yeah. Give the man the dollar. Okay, you hand it to him, and that's yeah, so like magically he gives you the whatever it is in that store, and then that's proof, proof, and it's confirmed over and over. Yeah, every time I take this particular uh, printed piece of paper and I hand it to somebody, I, I get pretty much whatever I want uh, that they have for sale. And then that's oh, re, re reinforced over and over and over, and then it's on, of course, through the television and stuff like that. But yeah, it's, it's this this fundamentally flawed social construct that is is based on a on a phony premise that you can separate your consumption and your production, and then end up with any kind of fair distribution from that point on. 
you'll never ever get there. We'll never ever get there as long as we're trying. As long as people are trying to build something with that fundamentally flawed premise, that there'll never be any kind of fair system or anything resembling a fair system. Chris, um, that's fine that you said the um, thing about exchanging dollars for goods. When I was younger, I used to go to the store, you know, my parents and such, and I would see them giving money to the cashier and then the cashier giving the person money back, you know. And so I, for years, I thought that, you know, what is the point of the money since they give it back to you? I thought that they were giving your money back. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I think that even inherently from a child, I was like, there's no point in doing that because they just give you your money back right away. And that's so funny. You know, of course, I didn't know that it was changed. Do you know what I'm saying? But, I mean, yeah. that's what I thought. Oh my God! Money doesn't even money. It doesn't. Even, there's no point to even having it because you know what I mean. You're giving yeah. it back. I mean, what what would you do with a hundred thousand dollars? You know, I mean, I think that with some of the things that I would do is I would um, essentially try and put the system on trial, and I would wage war against the system against petty things, just like you were talking about your twenty dollar, you know, no license or no no seatbelt ticket. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Things like that. I would essentially yeah. just you know think people like it's not worth you know, following or getting a lawyer, this and that for it's like, well, you know, if I had money, I would do things like that. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's the reason why we don't have money is because we would be able to do things like that. We will be able to sway the corrupt system that we're living in regardless, you know, as corrupt as it is, I think that we will be able to, you know, change it in, you know, multiple ways, you know, many times over if, if the right people had money in their hands, you know? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, uh... I w- I'd probably tend to, to to disagree with that. I mean, as far as, um, you know, why hasn't that already happened? I mean, you have like, um, well, you have the architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth, and they're putting billboards down in Times Square in New York. And so, the, you know, they've, they've, they've had enough money and donations and stuff to have this, uh, you know, ad campaign and stuff that they run. And it's, it's, you know, these people say, oh, yeah, that, that's going to wake a lot of people up and stuff like that. And then, you know, it's like, well, what eventually happens, which I think would, would ha- it always happens, you know, like, you know, like Alex Jones is doing it and all that stuff. Like, they set up this kind of industry that's around, oh, well, you know, uh, and the, you know, I've heard people like joke about it. Oh, yeah, you get into the seed and the water filter business and then, you know, you scare the crap out of people and they get them to buy your product and stuff like that to prepare for Armageddon or whatever. And um, so you just, you know, you got these all these industries that are set up based around that concept, you know, the fear mongering and then the, the preppers and then, you know, sell sell the preppers the supplies and then, you know, uh, keep giving the scary news to keep them people in fear. And they and then they buy, you know, silver, gold guns, and blah, 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 endless, endless, you know, supplies to stock up on and stuff like that. And then. uh you know, you got this industry that, like, um, yeah, well, you know, it, people start to live very comfortably off the proceeds of the these sales and stuff like that. And then, so, you, you think they want to, like, fix the government and solve the problems, and then, then people have no need for their particular uh, institution? Why, why would they want to? They're living high on the hog. They're doing pretty good for themselves. They're They're set. You know the Waltons have uh, the Walton family has all these elaborate bunkers they say set up in the somewhere in case 
shit hits the fan. You know, those people are not don't have a lot to worry about. Um, you know, and, and and really that's all about perception management too. I mean, that's you get this false sense of security through you know stockpiling stuff because you know you know yeah you get all this stuff stockpiled and then what do you you get a hangnail and an infected toe and you die from it. You know, it's like eh, it's just it's just some perception of security that you don't really have. Um, and then what do you what do you exchange for it? You you exchange this sense of uh, you know all, all this you know very precious stuff about being a human being like this you know community and uh, extended tribe and family and stuff like that. That's that that takes a secondary position to this this uh, quest for dollars, you know, and that you know we we've well, I think all collectively have to one extent or another you know exchanged that for money you know and then you know, yeah it's 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 just a uh it's it's just a scam and it always will be a scam and uh and i think like people have a real hard time grasping that like they don't want to accept that reality that you know money is a scam you can't make it work it's never going to work. It's always going to be unfair because, you know, if you imagine a situation where, let's say, there was a group of us that lived on an island, let's say, like, the same kind of scenario where, you know, like, the, the old show Gilligan's Island, well, yeah, you get shipwrecked and there's, like, you know, a limited number of people and then there's, you know, resources on the island, you know, you can eat coconuts, you can eat crabs, you can eat stuff that's native to the island and yeah, everybody can eat and everybody's fairly comfortable and you know uh but you know you start introducing the money system so everything has this dollar value like a crab has okay a crabs are five bucks a piece um every and then you know everybody has to engage in the in the whole money scheme thing so um you you have to have it at some point where somebody's going to come out on the losing end because somebody is going to find a way to accumulate more than and then they become like say the king of the island so that they don't have to do shit and then their then their children don't have to do shit and their children's children don't have to do shit because they've they've worked out some way to accumulate more of this thing called money uh, to the point where um, you know maybe they're they they're the ones printing it and so like um and then kind of like you know they've kind of done it in a sort of stealthy way to where like the the rest of the islanders haven't really caught on and then eventually you know as you know the years go by and the more people start to populate this island you know like oh yeah that's uh that's the uh you know the uh uh Smith family and yeah they're the they're the money people. Oh yeah, that's where money comes from. Yeah, the Smith family, they they make sure it all gets distributed out. And it's like, "Oh, what do they do?" You know, cuz I'm a I'm a coconut gatherer and I'm a and my brother's a crab gatherer and then my other brother's a fisherman and it's like, "Oh, they're the money people. They 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 issue the money." Oh, so oh, they don't do anything but um manage these books and tell everybody what money they get and what they're not allowed to have. Yeah, that's all they do. It's like, how is that even fair? They, they don't do produce even, anything. Do you think that they even do that? Like, I, I really wonder what Ben Bernanke does 
uh, except for take tomatoes and, you know, carrots and stuff like that to the face. Like, it was kind of like a, a ball guy. Um, I mean, can you really see those people, like, sitting down and, like, looking at books and stuff like that? I don't think that, I don't think that they do anything. I, I think that the people no. who have the most in this country, people who have money, basically, and I'm trying to figure out a way to do this too, is, you know, you got to make people work for you. You're not supposed to do any work at all, and that's the scam. Is you make yeah. people go and fight for you. You don't do anything. You basically manipulate and psychologically uh, control them to go and work for you, essentially. And I, you know, I think well, that depending on what they had that whole thing. I mean, I think it started back in the maybe the '70s and stuff, where you know they they started opening up uh, the stock market where they're trying to you know get everybody sold and uh, on it like oh yeah you, you save your your retirement and you started you know they started up the 401k program stuff like that they started putting these memes out into the culture like uh they would say oh yeah let your money work for you you know so the idea is that you get uh uh investments and you get dividends from your investments you know and then you don't you know you can retire early you can do anything you want you got all this freedom now that you got all this uh money coming in and it's just through investments you know and so they 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 get everybody kind of like um sold on this concept, you know, and then you know some people are actually able to do it, you know, they're actually able to save up enough through their lot throughout their lives so they can have like this comfortable uh living based on their dividends, but you know, of course, you know it happened with the stock market crash and then the and then 2008 they had another big one where they just pulled the rug out from under it and just you end up with all these people that had all this faith in the system that that saved up their whole entire life, and what do they have to do now? They have to go back and work a slave job in their seventies, and that sucks, man. I mean, they 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 thought they're going to retire comfortably, and they end up having to go back into the slave job and work because the stock market the the bottom fell out of it. Well, see, that was all artificial. That was all. Um, and that that is something that has been going on since there has been a stock market. They pump it up, pump and dump. They call it. You know, it's the same old scam, and they take it, and there and it's and it's very predictable, and it's and it follows these cycles. You know, and, and, and like uh, yeah, that's that's the money scam and the money system, and there and there and in this system, there is a built-in percentage that are going to come out the loser because there is not enough money to pay the interest on all the all the um the debt that's been created out of thin air and there never will be because that's that's a, a part of the system itself it's part of the ponzi scheme you you have to have so the yeah, losers have, on the bottom uh, yeah i was gonna to, say that's the yeah. pyramid scheme it's like you know don't don't forget that within any pyramid scheme i mean if i'm involved in a pyramid scheme i would love to be at the top because the people at the top will come out winners you know what i'm saying they won't they're oh, at yeah. the beginning of the pyramid People do come out and they do make make good, you know. The road to hell is paved with uh, good intentions, you know. Um, but essentially, the overall, the encompassing matter of everything is that people do lose, and um, that's the only way that people win is when people lose, you know. Yeah, somebody's somebody's got to lose so that uh, there's going to be the the people that can. Uh, you know, these are people that are in the so-called government too. They're, I mean, they have these real extravagant lifestyles i mean they it's unbelievable like the the perks and stuff that are in some of these government positions and uh yeah it's all it's all on the taxpayer 
uh, and the, ta- the taxpayers footing the bill for all of it. And uh, yeah, it's it's quite the scam. But uh, yeah, for the average person, you know, it's working a Walmart job that can't afford uh, to to pay for the for their child getting their tooth pulled and yeah it's it's rough but you know they're they're an important part of the system because they they make it all work you know and it's their their struggle that uh, makes it all makes it all possible so that you have to you you have to have this sort of base of uh you know slaves just like the back in the pyramid days you had all those slaves pulling those big giant slabs that's how that's how it worked but you know you had the certain class of people that lived very extravagantly on the backs of those slaves so you know that's that that is something that is this it's it's going to it's just going to it's going to be a reality as long as the money system is in yeah. play yeah there's it's no going to be around it yeah there's there's no way around it because um the only way that they can live is by through our work and by separating mm-hmm. um, our production uh, yeah. from like oh you know and so that's the, that, I think that that's inherently why people are um, they they feel um, uh, not uncontent that's not a word but they don't feel everybody feels like they're missing something you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. like things are inherently wrong and stuff and I think and people are bored you know what I'm saying when they're not at work, nobody really has any real hobbies or think anything anymore, you know, and I think that that's kind of all been bred out of us. I think that um, we're supposed to use our skills and our abilities to work essentially for another person for a piece of paper, and mm-hmm. I mean, wow, that's the biggest scam in the world, you know, because, I, you know, it's the skills that each individual has, if we were all starting companies and competing against each other, you know, I think that that would be something completely different without all these regulations and whatnot, you know, things would be mm-hmm. totally different. Um, but uh, I think that the separ- that they have to separate our production from our um, abilities and our energies um, just to pull that, you know. I think that uh, people would, if there is a moon, you know, I don't know if there is, people would probably already be trying to go to the moon, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, if they didn't have to go to work 40 hours a week and have to spoil their energies to some other person and use their brain for some alternate reason that is not important to them. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's basically, it's only to survive. I mean, people who are working at Walmart, I mean, even people who are working, uh, good jobs and living lavishly, we're only working to survive. I mean, I don't know anybody who could quit work for three months. You know, I don't care, I don't care how much money you make. I don't care if you make Fifty dollars an hour. You know what I'm saying? They're probably more enslaved than somebody making twenty dollars an hour. You know, um, if you quit your job and you stop working for three or four months, you're done. You know what I'm saying? You're yeah, because yeah, because if a, a fair if a fair money system was allowed to um, play itself out, as something that kind of resembled it was closer to you know being being kind of equitable to. To, to everybody involved, what would probably eventually come out of that would be, you know, real advancements in technology to where the average individual could um, set themselves up on a, on a, on a plot of land and have like this sort of um, uh, not a biodome, so to speak, but kind of just this self self-sustaining kind of little ecology 
that's very, you know, it's doable. I mean, you read all this stuff about the Internet with like, you know, hydroponic systems and uh, permaculture systems and all that. And, um, you know, that, that that's being done all over the place now, and uh, people are exchanging information and all that. But, you know, um, how far along would all that stuff be, you know, if there was, like, enough people that were, you know, didn't have to work endless hours to, to kind of just keep their head above water and stuff like that? That that would already been something that would already been realized probably a long time ago, and people would have, like, totally different ways of life, or there would be all kinds of different ways of life, you know, that... But, um, yeah, that's that's the thing about the money system is the people that understand how money works, they know that it's important it's an, it's important to reinvest, you know, or, or, or to take and, to, and funnel um, a, a pretty sizable substantial amount into the indoctrination systems and stuff that keep people um, mentally enslaved so that they they uh, don't work at for or they're they're not they're they're so conditioned they don't they don't even feel right about you know working for their own self and their own future or these kind of self-sustaining uh systems that would benefit them and their family for generations they 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 have the mentality that like they're mainly concentrated on accumulating this you know abstraction called money and then seeing wealth in terms of uh, these abstract figures and stuff like that, instead of like looking at it as um, try to invest into systems that are uh, self-perpetuating and then you know always return um, that have you know ability to like you you input a certain amount into it and then you have this this output you know where where you you got something to where you're you're producing your own um uh you know or agriculture on a small scale or ranching on a small scale or whatever the people would see fit to do and then benefit but 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 anyway something that benefits them that benefits you and your family and that sets and then you could set yourself up and your family up for for generations instead of like you go to work and you go to work for this corporation and you're there with a bunch of other slaves and your function is to uh, give your energies into this corporation that's going to set up this stranger that you've never met in your life and it's going to set them up and their family up for generations through the money, this abstract thing called money. Yeah, the reinvestment process is uh, investing in the salaries and uh, pay wages for the slaves that you employ, basically. You know, that's what you want to do. You want to invest your money into paying people to work for you, basically. And um, they have no mind of it. They don't care because their essential goal is to gain the greenbacks and to, you know, buy beer on the weekend, basically. Yeah, and, Um, and, you know, that's that's a byproduct of... um and you and you see like oh the the Carnegie Foundation the Rockefeller Foundation all these and the and then now Bill Gates is in in on it and and you see all these uh, big money interests like all of a sudden why are they so interested in uh, school curriculum like Common Core and all that stuff because you know that's an important part of the money system is like you have to uh, uh, you have to 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 divert uh, a certain amount of the the product the productivity into and draw in, into the indoctrination process for the slaves. You know that's that's part of the maintenance of the system, 
And and the people that are closer to the top of it, they they understand that. You know, that's that's part of their their function. You know, and then they can perpetuate this myth of the oh yeah, the the guy that, you know, starts his little, you know, business out of his garage and then becomes a multi multi billionaire and uh he's on the front of Forbes magazine, everybody worships him and idolizes him and stuff like that. And oh yeah, I'll get there one day too. All I need to do is in, invent the next indispensable widget, and yeah, it's just I'll be a billionaire too, just like uh, like they were. You know, it's that's that's part of the system too. This this false hope, you know. Yeah, selling hopes and dreams, and then while they're quarreling, um, individual uh, ingenuity and freedom and um, uh, uh, natural businessmen. Um, <clears throat> That's that's why they come down so hard on drug dealers and stuff. That they give us the drugs to basically coral our ingenuity and, like I was saying, uh, natural um, uh, instinct to create things and develop things. Uh, I think that the drugs are essential for that. But then there's people who are going to want to sell the drugs and who are natural businessmen, and then they come down hard on those people also, and they have to control that that side of things also. Yep, right. Yeah, it looks like, uh, wow. That kind of Thanks for talking. Quick, like, yeah, that's cool. Uh, about three and a half I'll hours. I'll catch you for a while. But, um, uh, yeah, thanks for talking, man. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was a good call. Um, yes, sir. Good yeah. talk to you. Uh, Hey, maybe we'll maybe you'll do one next week, huh? Yeah, hope so. Try to do it hope next so. week too. Sure. Yeah. And, Thanks uh, again. I'll talk to you later then. All right then. Have a good night. Thanks. And thanks to everybody else here. Uh, did MacGyver Junior have anything else to say? Uh, and then Oregon looks like they're still on. I'm not sure if that's uh, a different individual or what's going on there. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to probably just close up shop here because I see it's three and a half hours. So I've got a file size concern and all that, and it's kind of a good good point to close it up here. So, uh, yeah, thanks to everybody. Got MacGyver. Oh, Cave Monk, I guess he never got able to call in well maybe next time dave uh sean's here cool man uh yeah you call in next time man uh two uh yeah i'm, I'm gonna try to pronounce that name there but yeah okay hamad cool nature never lies vidir lists it good to see you here uh, Oregon and Rochelle and thanks to MacGyver Jr. and Rochelle for calling in and check out hoaxbusterscall.com and uh, oh yeah I wanted to uh, also thank people uh, Edith and John sending, sending donations that's cool appreciate that like uh, yeah I appreciate the donations that I put it into 
I did a Evernote subscription, stuff like that. Helps out, you know, to kind of maintain the the shop around here. I don't spend a lot of money or anything on any of this stuff, but uh, yeah, those donations definitely help out. I appreciate those. So, all right, everybody have a good night. Take care. Hopefully, we'll catch you again next Monday. Have a good night. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.